Hello, my fellow movie fans, and welcome to another episode of A Feast of Films Theater with your hosts, Matthew Alu and Ethan R. Hill. How's that? That was good. Oh, yeah. Classic. Classic. Hello, my fellow movie fans, and welcome to another episode of A Feast of Films. I'm Ethan R. Hill, and with me, as always, is... Matthew Elu, what's going on, my fellow movie fans? And joining us yet again... And Ethan. Hello. And... Joining us again is... Jesse Prosser. Hello, everybody. How's it going? It's going, buddy. It's going. We're here. Oh, sorry, you're talking to them, not me. Okay, I- I'll just I mean, sit down. I-, I can say hi to you, too, Matt. How you doing, buddy? How do you- <laughs> oh, hi, Jesse. I'm doing good. I'm doing- Thanks for asking, Excellent. man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. How are you doing that. from last week, which appreciate is this week? Lot. Um, well, you, well, I tell you what, guys, I'm real tired from flying in. My arms are waving. <laughs> and we're going to end the chat right now. And... <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of A Feast of Films. <laughs> and he never... We're out of here, guys. He never spoke to Prosser again. <laughs> this, this is basically like the end of Evangelion of your podcast. It's, it's, all, it's all going down. <laughs> Just like, oh, going down now. All right. That was good. All right. Well, just uh, one second. <laughs> like, you're the host. You can edit that around. <laughs> like I just, I'm just, i sorry. Like I need a drink. Away. He's I'm like, not going to. sorry, guys. I got to drink some ass tea. Like, I'm okay, sorry. Louis. I need a drink. I, I'm a thirsty ass bitch. I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep this in the this podcast. This is all staying in. <laughs> oh, good. But just cut around that. Just yeah. fix that. Um. We can just tell you directly when to fix oh stuff my God. now. That's, you, the, that's the beauty of having you here. If you knew how much I had to make these guys look good, like, you you guys have no idea the sheer nonsense that you have not heard. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. Oh, we, we know. Do, they don't we, know. We had to edit the beginning, and we're like, we're tired of this shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why do you think we brought you on? Yeah. It wasn't for your good opinions or anything. It listen, was just because listen. we needed someone to filter us. Guys. Like, the episodes are, like, they still record, like, two hours of content. I have to weed out everything. It's ridiculous. Like, these guys. <laughs> like, he actually pieces us together word for word to make yeah. our nonsense make sense. I've had to develop a database of intricate uh, files so I can construct sentences. <laughs> yeah, basically, most of our episodes, especially, like, the weirder ones, are actually, he just runs it through a simulator. It's like that... Uh, you know, you run something through a simulator and they, uh, a computer writes a script of something. Yeah, it's all, it's all procedurally that? generated. <laughs> yeah, that's our really weird episodes. He just feeds it through a computer generator and uh, <laughs> it just writes our episodes for us. We don't even have to record anything. You don't even have to record things, man. You just go back. See, yeah. there we go. There's Sit an down. example of yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes uh, I, I end up throwing a... Peace and love, I end up throwing man. a Peace Beatles song into the simulator as well, and that's where Ringo comes from. <laughs> Ring- go, Ringo go, isn't even you. a real person. He's a simulation. <laughs> Speaking of technology, oh, though. Oh, nice segue, huh? He's getting he's getting it, Matt. He's joining he's joining in. He's understanding the the nature of this show. You're welcome. I, I, I believe I can fly. <laughs> That's a throwback. I believe I can touch the sky. Yes, yeah, speaking of technology, we are here this episode to discuss our least favorite technical innovations in film. And usually, uh. to be fair, we do love to talk about the things we love. 
Uh, but every once in a while, there's some things we're just like, mm, no, we need to rip on this, I think, a little bit. And, mm. and at the end of the day, this is yes. personal preference, and it does come down to our opinions. So it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that necessarily the things are bad. It's just things that drive us specifically no, bonkers. they are terrible. <laughs> I, I'm sure they are terrible. Well, I mean... And if you disagree with us... <clears throat> yeah, that's it. I'm going to send Prosser to your house. He has wings, and he flies. He flew here for this episode, so y'all be warned. Yeah. <laughs> What what are you guys taking and why am it's, I not that on does it? Not it's sound be a doozy, let me tell you. Why 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 am I why am I not understanding him flying? Like I like am I missing out? Or do you guys drop acid and not tell me? I mean, I think about it every day. No, night he said day. he flew in at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like and my arms like, are tired. <laughs> I don't get it. How did he actually fly? That's not how people fly. It doesn't matter. I'm so confused. How it just matters that he can. I think about it every night and day. I spread I my wings s- and fly away. I have lived with you for so long, I've never seen you fly once, you liar. <laughs> Don't you lie to these poor people. They pay good money to to, to be to, to do things that they like and then listen to us on the way to those things. <laughs> to be fair, Prosser has also not seen cars and never told you. So. He lies to me about films all the time. Like Ironically, he... I've seen planes. You have? No, oh, I haven't seen okay. planes, but I thought... I was about to okay. be really... I was really confused and upset. <laughs> so anyway... Why? Goodbye, everybody. What have you done? Hey, Matt, how about you kick us off and like start talking about relevant things rather than Prosser's lying? <laughs> so, Matt, what okay, do you hate? What, what's the technological invention that you hate? Fair enough. This one is like legit the worst thing because it is a travesty <laughs> on film. It is a travesty on uh, the people who work so hard to create beautiful colors in their editing and color correction in film it is a travesty on our bank account and that is 3d in film i freaking hate 3d in film it's terrible <laughs> listen i've heard of it ever done really good once and that was avatar and avatar made a ton of money now i never went and saw it myself so <laughs> I can't say if the 3d actually worked <laughs> I can't say. I, I can this speak to that. But right to be there. fair, Avatar is back to being the number one biggest film of all time. So obviously, that 3D had a draw onto it. Because the film itself is like, it's good, but it's not like greatest film of I, all time good. I watched thing, Avatar right? once in IMAX 3D, and I have not felt the need to watch it since. See, and I saw it like five or six but times. Did the, in... did the 3D stuff work there for you? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh mean, yeah, it's for, amazing. Okay. For like thirty bucks a ticket, it better. Um, um yeah. I saw it about five or six times in theaters, and I haven't seen it since. So, but I saw it five oh. or six times because it was in, it was in theaters for a long time too. It wasn't yeah. just like a short run. Um, no, it was in there forever because people just kept coming back. I'm curious on your thoughts with it because I kind of disagree with you. But I, I'm curious okay, more well, on your thoughts. Well, well, let me break down. Let me break down my thoughts because it's kind of like. It's kind of... Um, I already have counter-arguments. Three, three main points. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But listen, Avatar obviously worked really well. People enjoyed it. People came to see it. They loved it. Since then, I've never gone to a 3D movie, and this is my first point, that has actually worked. I've never been and seen a 3D movie 
that has actually been 3D. Mm. There's slightly more dimension, but I've never had anything feel like it's coming out of the screen. The amount that they promise with 3D technology in your films, the like the commercials that they show, and obviously commercials are exaggerations, but like you never feel like anything's coming out of your screen. You never feel like that. And why? Because mainly it's a 3D filter. Yeah. There's so many films that are not actually filmed for 3D. What about the Hobbit films? I didn't see those in 3D, so oh, I can't Oh, that's fair say. then, yeah. Um, I can't say. I, I can only speak from what I've seen. And I and again, to any rule, there's obviously exceptions. Yes. I think we... Did we you talk know, about this last know, time? Or that was outside the podcast? You know, so far, I'm, so far I'm hearing Matt say, I hate 3D, but I don't watch 3D movies. <laughs> no i mean that's, the... that's not what i'm saying i have seen i have never seen a 3d movie and that's i not hate what i'm them. saying but but like here here's the thing anything that apparently had good 3d was avatar which i did not see in theaters at all the three hobbit movies which i did not see in theaters at all it's not like i just chose not to see them in yeah. yeah i just didn't see them in theaters at all but there was a long stretch of time where I did go to 3D for almost everything. Where they and they were just that. Well, that was the ones where they just tacked on 3D. Yeah, and and, and that's what I'm saying. I but that is converted. the vast, vast, vast majority. I have of films. I got two movies that I want to talk about in regards to like 3D that was implemented very well. But like, I'll let you continue your thought, and then we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> Let me ri- let me just keep ripping on this thing here because this this is something that just drives me. Yeah, oh, 100 percent. Okay. Right. So anyway, the majority of films, I would say, 3D does not work. It's nowhere near as good as it should be. But yet, they're still charging you 3D prices. And I guess I'll make my third point into my second point now. But I'll get back to my third point. I'll come back around. The prices that you pay for 3D is ridiculous. It's like an extra five bucks on top of your movie ticket. Or at least it used to be back in the day because I stopped going to 3D movies as much as I possibly could. Because, like, here's the thing. If I'm going to pay extra money to get this extra experience on a film, and I go in there, I put on the glasses, you do the thing, you watch the movie, but you're not getting that extra experience, it pisses me off. And it just says, listen, this isn't something that's actually innovative to the movie industry. This isn't something that's changing the way we watch and view films this is something where movie theaters and studios and whatever can just get a little bit more dollar amount out of you without giving you anything of actual value without giving you any in fact my third argument my third point it takes away the value because here's the thing you guys know this you guys do editing on like films and stuff and like you've done plenty of editing you guys know about color correction oh yeah color correction Mm -hmm. is my jam Yep. and it's so important right yeah like that's that's your gem like you take a lot of pride in it you take a lot of work in it just to create the right colors the balance of light the balance of dark to make certain colors pop or to make it feel natural or to create a tone or you know whatever you're trying to mm-hmm. do with those colors when you put on those 3d glasses they're gray dimmers all they're doing is literally graying out your colors so you're actually getting a darker color than what you intended mm-hmm. When you watch a film in theater without those glasses and the way it's supposed to be, that's the colors you get. The way the person who did the color correction and the editing intended those colors to be. When you're watching them with 3D glasses, you're getting a gray, duller, darker version of what somebody intended 
to be seen on screen. So it literally actually takes away the vibrancy, the effect of those colors that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of like the three things for me that are really, really drives me down some 3D. Number one, it's not well implemented Yeah. across the industry. Yeah. Maybe there's one, two, three, maybe four films. But again, how many were on the list just for 2006 by itself, mm -hmm. right? How many films were in 2006? Tons, tons. Six films is a small amount of films from 2006, let alone all the years 3D has been around since Avatar till, you know, now. Yeah. Well, um, so, and you would say the vast majority of films have not implemented 3D in a well way. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's been mainly used instead of adding to the movie going experience and instead of creating a different experience, it's just a way to add a couple extra bucks onto every single ticket. Mm -hmm. But in fact, instead of giving you added value, it takes away from being able to see the picture and the colors, the way it was intended to be by putting on dark grayed out glasses. Yeah. I hate 3D and I will do my best to not watch it. And a lot of, you'll see a lot of um, film or a lot of theaters don't even give you the option anymore. A lot of it, like primetime movies are always in 3D. Why? So they charge you a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You usually have to go a little bit out of your way to see the films that are not in 3D mm. to actually get to the th non 3D version. Yeah. So, Obviously, again, they're using it to create just that added ticket value. And they know their hotspot times. They know what times are popular. And that's when they place those 3D films just to get that extra dollar amount. So they're not even giving you an option to choose 3D or not. They're just trying to, they just like take away your ability to choose. Mm -hmm. And they're like, man, just give us some extra money. Because we put this filter on this thing. And it's not going to be as good. But, you know, have fun. So that that is the technology I hate the most. I'm not opposed to anyone making money. I just want some value for my money. And if things actually came out of the screen, if I actually felt a 3D experience, I would say, yes, money well spent. But I've never had an experience where I felt the amount that I paid on 3D glasses to sit in that theater at that time was actually worth the money I paid. So okay. that's it. That's my rant. Screw you, 3D glasses, man. <sighs> So I have some counterpoints. <laughs> in defense in defense of 3D and why I don't think it's the worst. I'm obviously like Pat. My heart's like beyond passion. I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> stupid glasses. I felt it. So I'm going to lead in and I'm going to say I agree with you with all those films that were just like 3D post-converted and just yes. like slapped on and been like, oh, this is 3D now. It's I agree. Those were pointless. They were grayed out. They were terrible. And they weren't thought out. Mm -hmm. And you got to admit, that is the majority. That is the majority, oh, 100%. Yes. 100%. That is the majority of 3D film, the vast majority. Because, and speaking on the color correction thing, when you are shooting in 3D, you color correct for that because you know it's going to be, 3D. you know it's going to be duller, so you up the saturation more. Even how they shot it, like there's some stuff with, um, in The Hobbit specifically, they actually had to paint the, for some of the shots, for some of the scenes, they had to paint the dwarfs red. Like actually yeah. like, vibrant colors because it wouldn't be picked up properly by the 3d camera right and so so when doing things like that properly and speaking to avatar it was super immersive like it was very immersive mm -hmm. and that's what 3d should have been but i agree with you that people immediately took that and was like oh we can just put this on anything and call it 3d cool well like so 
I think when 3D is used as a gimmick, because because originally 3D has always been a gimmick. That is a hundred percent all it is. Yeah. When I think it, and when I think I think when it is used properly as that gimmick, then it is really good. And the whole point of like the Avatar 3D was to get away from the stuff coming out at you, and was more about adding depth and adding yeah and and for specifically for for Avatar and for the Hobbit movies, it did amazingly. Like for some, like I don't have depth perception. I have some, but it's very limited. I almost wasn't allowed to drive because of how much I don't perceive what depth is. Mm-hmm. So watching a 3D movie to me was mind boggling because I'm yeah. like, oh, this is what depth looks like. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can tell the distance between things now. This is weird, but I like it. So for me, it was a whole different, unique experience. And I think that's that's why it worked really well. It was just, again, it's adding that depth. And mm-hmm. I'll admit, I'm a sucker for the old school uh, 3D films <laughs> where the things come flying out at you. Like, there was actually one, the best one I saw wasn't even like a cinematic film, but there was like in one of the science centers in Alberta, my me and my family went as a kid. It was like a dome theater. I don't know which one it is. If someone knows what the what uh, science center I'm talking about, just let me know in the comments. But it was like where was it? I want to say it was somewhere in Alberta. But it was like a oh, science okay. center, and it was yeah. like a complete dome theater, and they had yep. this the, amazing three D show. The Telus Science Center in Edmonton. I'm pretty sure. Okay, cool. I guess yeah. I could just ask That's you cool. since you know you live here. Yep. <laughs> but so like, like wow. anyone in Alberta can tell me he's like uh, I'm right here guys I, 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 I think but, I know uh, um, did, you, did you ever see the 3D show that they had there Um, I believe I did when I was a bit younger yeah like it was a while a long time ago but it was like the, some of the best 3D I've ever seen and it was the blue and the red 3D so you yeah. want to talk about getting rid of color that was completely right, yeah. it but, but the thing is it didn't matter because of the effect and the effect that it had on you and then like Honestly, you want to take it a step forward and talk about 4D shows? I love 4D shows. And again, they're gimmicky. They're mm-hmm. just there to like... It's a, it's a theme park right at that point. And that's where most 4D shows are is in theme parks, where you yeah. get the stuff reacting in your seats, you get the scents, the smells going in the air, you get mist thrown on you. But I love that stuff because it's a gimmick, because it is specifically meant to be a ride. And for me, right, the way I view film... And I've, I've said this to Prosser, I've quoted myself on this. It, I view film as uh, as a thrill, as a theme park ride. Like, especially a good movie. I think this first time that I'm actually recording myself saying this, but a quote that I really like, that I think I came up with, I haven't been able to find it anywhere else. I think I came up with it. I have Google searched it, I haven't found it anywhere else, but it's specifically that a movie should be like a roller coaster. No matter how many times you go on it, you're still going for a ride. It's still a thrill. It's still exciting, right? And that's how a good movie should be. And if 3D is going to add to that, I'm all for it. The problem is you need to make sure that translates into the whole media, and mm-hmm. that's where it usually loses it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of 3D TVs available anymore. Oh, no, they completely discontinued them back in 2016. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why. They were useless. Oh, yeah, because well, the home viewing, it, it's never it's not good. the same. So I, I, I don't think 3D is the worst technology made for it. I think it's been mispurposed and misused. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still a really 
well, number one, it's really important to film history. And it's also just, I think it's a really fun technology when done correctly. And that, um, but, and on, but honestly, like, here's the thing, man, like as well as those other ones that you're talking about, or like those other, you know, like the very few, yes, the handful of actually purposefully well done 3d, mm. I would have no problem if they didn't exist and the whole rest of it didn't exist either. Like that's the line for me. You know what I mean? Like when I'm talking about like all the films I've watched from like since 3d started coming mainstream into theaters, like whenever that was, uh, you know, early two thousands to you oh. know, literally now still, there's still tons of just crap 3d films. Oh boy. Right. Um, if I had to say like no 3d for like five, six movies and I can get all the rest of those non 3d, and save that extra money and save the viewing experience and be able to get the, the, um, just like a better experience for myself. Like, yeah, I would have no problem wiping those things out. Like it would, it would, I wouldn't even hesitate to Thanos snap 3d out of existence, man. Like, and I get, there's always exception to everything, right? Like we say, this is the worst. This is the worst. It's like, well, on some occasions, yeah. Uh, it's not the worst. And I think we even talked about this last week, even with tropes and stuff, right? Like some people think tropes are the worst and it's always on execution. It's how you yeah. do it. Um, and if people actually took 3d, um, properly and filmed for it and it became like the amount that 3d is in there, you would think it's a huge part of the industry, yeah. but like literally clearly no one uses it. Like it's just, again, that filter well, for like, that extra money. Yeah. Um, but if it was actually part of the industry and they actually made it part of it and, and they expanded on it and let it evolve, then I would say, Hey, okay. Well, like, like I'm in, yeah. like, I wouldn't have a problem with it, so, but it's the problem with how that technology is being well, used, they, which I think make say like, it's terrible. And I wish it didn't exist. Like, I think it's the, one of the worst things to come out well, of. Well, they did try for a bit and like maybe Prosser, you, cause you, you saw these movies with me. So I know you can help hopefully comment on this too there there are three films that i saw in theaters in 3d that were post-converted that were amazing in 3d and that was beauty and the beast the lion king and star wars episode one they post-converted them but they actually like took the time to make sure it wasn't just oh we put these two on and whatever happens happens Mm -hmm. it was literally they went through and they made the depth happen. I got to see 2D animated films have depth, and that was wild, and that was cool, and yep. it was a gimmick, and they were films. Oh, they did that on like the animated. Yeah, ones. on Beauty and the Beast and on Lion King. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was unexpected. It was worth the money to see that though, because again, it was 100 was a gimmick, but I also knew it was a gimmick going into it, so I didn't feel ripped off. Well, right. To me, like um, well, specifically, like when we're talking about Beauty and the Beast, like. The inherent nature of the way that like those those movies were made actually kind of lends themselves to 3D because of the cell animation, right? Yeah, because there's that there is inherent depth to the way they do that. So like you basically just create those as layers. And I think like when that opening shot when they're going through the woods mm-hmm. suddenly just had so much more feeling to it. You could feel it. Yeah, and that was really it was wild, man. Like it was so cool. Yeah. Um. And then in regards to uh. What was the third film you said? Um, uh, episode one. Episode one. Like, I mean, I was distracted by the fact that I was watching episode one. Well, um, that's the, the... <laughs> no, that's what I was so mad about, because they had that plan to release the original saga in 3D, mm-hmm. and they released episode one, 
it and tanked. Then, no, it wasn't even that it tanked. Disney bought episode the oh, Star right, Wars yeah, from that Fox around that time. They they, they bought Star Wars from Fox right after that, and they're like, "Eh, we don't want to do that anymore." Mm-hmm. And I was willing to go to every single release of the prequels just to get to the original trilogy because those films enhanced in 3D, I I would watch in a heartbeat. 100% I would because again, I know it's a gimmick. Well, cuz I, I think... love those movies and the way they handled the 3D in that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like well that's also like a that's a studio putting a lot of money behind a post conversion because they know like if they did a bad job on it, it would be a whole thing, right? Well, how um, much crazy? How crazy was the pod pod racing scene? The pod, yeah, the pod. Like, again, I'm trying to, I'm trying my best to remember things that didn't annoy me. Oh, so that's how memorable. No, it was. no, no. That's your no, answer, Ethan, specifically man. because it was episode one. Um, but like again, he I just do, repressed it. I do remember like it being <laughs> like it was visually well done like i can't agree with you on that well, that's where it was me you and luke we came out of there being like well that was episode one but the 3d was awesome yeah basically that's what it was um no like um and i think one of the things like you are talking about um the like the stuff coming out at the screen 3d stuff like like i don't know if you had more thoughts ethan but like i i nope. do have i've i got some thoughts on this whole thing because like I 100% agree with you for the most part on, like, especially 3D conversion, because, like, that is, like, about 90% of the stuff that is released. Um, There are a handful of films that I do believe actually use 3D in a way that, like, was basically they used it as part of, like, telling the narrative. Um, The first example I'm going to give would be Tron Legacy. Because Tron Legacy... Tron Legacy to me, I mean, like, Tron Legacy to me is just, like, it's an underrated movie in general, like, not just for the soundtrack, but just, like, the visuals, but this is going to be a bold statement, uh, Tron Legacy <laughs> used 3D <laughs> the way that Alice, like, uh, the way that, uh, The Wizard of Oz used color, where, in reality, like, in the real world, like, when Sam is, like, doing his stuff outside of, uh, the Tron universe, it's 2D. It's just regular 2D, regular film. And then the second that he goes inside of the Matrix, it goes into 3D. So now there is a distinct difference visually between the real world and the digital world. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and also, so like, th- with, um, with the visuals... I find that 3D honestly is more effective when it gives depth to something as opposed to stuff coming out of the screen at you. Um, having said that, in Avatar... Well, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. You're like, yeah. Uh, having said that in Avatar, when... Uh, I meant, like, nothing, like... I didn't mean when I say, like, coming out you, yeah. Like, I meant, like, more depth to it, not necessarily, like, some popping out, like... Uh, we, I don't expect to watch whoa. Star Wars and be like, oh, shit, I lost my hand, you we, know? We <laughs> all had fun sticking our hands out trying to touch the 3D images when those... Mm-hmm. In the old-school 3D stuff. And those, like, older ones with the well, blue and green... Or the blue and red, Well, yeah. I, can, I can cite a very specific incident, and it was watching Avatar, where, like, I was just really into the film at that point, and there was one shot where they're, like, they're spinning up the, like, helicopters and all that, and at one point one of the helicopters was, like, in the foreground, like, near me, and I le- legitimately, like, leaned down in my seat because I thought I was gonna get hit by the propeller. <laughs> like, it 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 got me. Like, it legitimately got me, and I was See, like... like, what? and that sounds like 
exciting mm-hmm. to me. Like that sounds like an exciting movie going yeah. experience where it's mm-hmm. like I leaned back a bit. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I was so engrossed into the visuals that like I legitimately thought, "Oh my god, I'm about to get my head chopped off." Um, and that's what good 3D is. Which ironically never happened in any of the 3D slasher films that came out. Um <laughs> No, the 3D the 3D slasher films, especially like the early ones, like like spe- like Friday the 13th Part 3. Oh, or God. Jaws 3D. Those ones Just were specifically... 3D. I love watching those films in 2D because the 3D gags are so oh, freaking so obvious. Like, they're obvious enough when they're in 3D. But when they're not, it's like you see these actors are trying to do 3D stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, at and one tr- point in the Friday the 13th 3D, like, there's, like, the camera's, like, down here and it's, like, a character's point of view and somebody's, like, yo-yoing. So, like, it's, like, the yo-yo's just coming at the screen. And it's so bad like it's so terrible um and then of course there's like like my bloody valentine 3d was like actually filmed in 3d but like they hadn't quite figured it out so like it's weird it kind of goes to like because that was like pre-avatar wasn't it no it was just after avatar but like the way they filmed it like it's like all the 3d stuff was like 30 frames per second so like it has this really unnatural frame rate to it um it makes the 3d smoother but it makes the film look like unnatural when you're watching 2D. Weird. Um yeah. and the other film that in my opinion used 3D in a very good way, but ultimately led to the film's doom at the box office was Dread. Well, that's just because you love Dread. <laughs> no, seriously. But like because they called it Dread 3D <laughs> and it was on the tail end of that like post conversion nightmare that you were talking about. So at that point nobody wanted to see a movie called Dread 3D because it sounded terrible. But in reality, it's just a it's a great friggin' action film. And the way they used the 3D in Dread was specifically like in the slow-mo scenes. So whenever the slow-mo come came up in the film, suddenly you got that like enhanced depth and there was more detail and everything. You can kind of like really see the beauty of the visuals. And it works because that is it's kind of meant to emphasize the effect that the drug is having on the people who are experiencing it. And like when it's stuff like that, where it's actually, like, used as part of the narrative, that's when 3D, to me, actually, like, is cool and works. The problem is, 95% of the time, that's not what it's used for. Oh, I agree. Exactly. Exactly, man. And, like, at the end of the day, I don't know, here's a question for you. Like, so... Like, out of the movies that you guys have seen in 3D that you liked, and you're like, oh, 3D was dope as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you had to go see that multiple times, would the visuals just eventually wear out and you not notice them or they not be impressive? Like, the visuals ultimately, like, do 3D visuals ultimately, ultimately impact the film? Like, it can the first one, two, three times, mm-hmm. but does it ultimately make the difference between whether a film is good or bad. I think like for you guys. I think at the like would it ultimately change your opinion if you saw those films and there was no 3D? At the end of the day, a good film is when you don't notice what's going on. When you don't notice the editing, when you don't notice, especially on the first watch through at least. Yeah. Um 3D is totally engages you and brings you 3D's in. 3D is a little 100%. different because it's a different experience. But it's one of those things of like Again, the 3D shouldn't distract you from the story. It should enhance the story. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and this is what happened with Avatar as soon as it left theaters, 
the 3D was the only thing enhancing that story. So as soon as people mm. were watching it in 2D, then it was just like, oh. Okay, it's... it's... People were like, oh, yeah, that was okay. I guess this kind of is like Fern Gully. Um... And... <laughs> And that's 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 inherently or like, well, what's it? Dancing with wolves. Dancing with, with wolves. Yeah. Like? Name any of them. Yeah. yeah. But like at the end of the day, that is the problem with 3D, and that's why I'm saying it is a gimmick. It's a hundred percent a gimmick. I don't think it should be one that doesn't exist, but I think it should be used more sparingly and used with purpose. So like what Prosser was I saying would, with storytelling I, I can narratives. Agree with that. I can agree. I like given our reality. Given our reality, yes. Like, it needs to be used more sparingly. It needs to be used with purpose, with intention, and not just for every film you want to make a couple extra bucks off. Because not every film requires greater depth. One, I'm... You know what I mean? Like, greater, slightly greater... And I'm not saying, like, significantly greater depth, but slightly greater depth does not change well, that's, the outcome of a film. And that's right? where... Like it, doesn't make it more engaging and again you like you watch it at home and it's not going to change like a film has to stand on itself at yeah. the end of the day but and that's and that's why i just like i get it's a gimmick and it's fun for like a one-time or two-time viewings but it's like after that when it's out of the 3d theater space like it just doesn't matter like films have to stand on their own mm -hmm. at the end of the day yeah at the end of the day, films have to stand on their own. So I just think it's a thing that doesn't need to exist and it, and was created for that kind of roller coaster ride you're kind of talking about, like that theme park kind of aspect of film yeah. and of theater. Um, but not necessarily for what a actually enhancing so much films or the story themselves. At what point do we draw the line yeah. and it becomes live action theater anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the question. It's a hilarious question, and so. I love that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, I just, like, I could live without it at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, it, if 3D just disappeared off the face of the planet, wouldn't bother me at all, and I don't think it would honestly change the viewing experiences for a lot of people. Maybe, obviously, you can't unsee what you've already seen, but anything going forward, if you never saw 3D again, oh, I would, I, I would don't notice. think you would complain about it. Like, I don't think you'd be writing One studios is, being like, bring back 3D. As someone who wears glasses, wearing the glasses over top of the 3D glasses is a pain in the butt. Yeah. Now, that, that's what I'm saying. I can imagine, like, yeah. I just think it's, I think it's the worst thing invented because it just has no real usefulness outside for that other than that one seat or second viewing and only a small handful of films actually capitalize on See, and that's where the rest just that's where i don't think it's the worst thing because it kind of went away mm -hmm. it, it didn't have a lasting effect on the. it didn't have a lasting <sighs> damaging effect on the film industry it didn't change it irreparably it just kind of no it doesn't damn it. it it hasn't gone away there's still 3d films Right, like you still it's watch true. films in 3D at theaters all over the place. Yeah, but I, I actually, but again, it's just that 3D filter. film. In like years. it's nothing. There's nothing seen, actually useful out of it. I haven't seen a movie in a theater in over a year, so <laughs> it's also true. That's <laughs> also true. Which is sad. But like but what can you do? I myself intentionally will go earlier or later to films as long as I don't have to see it in 3D. Yeah. Because like I just, it doesn't add to the viewing experience for me. Like it just doesn't. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. Like, it's a useful 
pathetic waste of time. Unless, again, unless in those very rare occasions that you guys have explained. Yeah. Unless it's used properly Mm -hmm. and with purpose, then maybe there's value there and I'd pay that extra money. But, like, other than that, like, no way. Not a chance. Nope. Not interested. So, anyway, that's mine. That's mine. Proster, do you... Good chat, though. That was a good discussion, It was a great debate. I didn't realize you guys had that many thoughts on it, to be honest. Yeah, man. Like, it's... it's... They'd be like, oh, yeah, 3D. Name a film thing. We have thoughts on it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fair enough. All right. Let's hop on in. So, I guess it's my turn now? Yeah, Ethan, what do you got, man? So, I think the thing that has been the most damaging to film and the thing that i hate the most about innovation to is that film. okay no that's that's why i hate it so much mm-hmm. i'm not saying that that oh, was the because point. it is damaging i was like wait is damaging the question because i thought it was just something <laughs> no no it is something it is something that i dislike it's something that i really hate and i, I feel has damaged damaging. Okay, i hate okay, the okay, ravages no, of time on film <laughs> i just i was just thinking i was stupid again which i always am so i never know <laughs> So I just want to make sure I'm like, oh man, did I do another stupid? <laughs> did I whoopsie? <laughs> oh my god! Answer the wrong question the whole damn time. <laughs> my pick is CGI sets. Mm. Not CGI enhanced sets, not in, like ones where you shoot some stuff and then you add extra stuff with CG. I'm talking mm. about straight up. We put our actors in a green box or a blue box and say act and pretend. And I think that that has created really bad performances. A lot of times they don't look good. And a lot of times there's no limitations. And that doesn't really create a great set design afterwards. Because they make things go too big. And too massive. While they do allow for some stuff. That. um, They they allow you to go bigger sometimes. Which is also good. Purely CG. Just you lose that scale. And you lose that sense of. Any kind of feeling, I find. Um, I feel like I had more thoughts on it, but like I don't know. Overall, I just. Well, no, yeah, actually, like one of the biggest, like one of the biggest frustrations that I had recently, I think, was like a year, maybe a year or two ago, there was an article about a major studio film. I can't remember which one it was, but they were talking. One of the talking points was that they were filming things on an actual set. They're like, yeah, it's really cool. We're filming the entire, like, we're filming on a practical set, and that's really great. And it's like, that's normal filmmaking. That should be a norm. Why is this, like, a selling feature of the movie where it's like, yeah, and, hey, I'm using an actual iced tea bottle in this shot. <laughs> yeah, you should just be using that. It's cheaper than CGing the whole thing anyway. like and i don't understand the fascination of like making everything cg and like i have some sympathy with older filmmakers who spielberg is one who really comes to mind because he's talked about it where cg allowed him to make the films exactly how he wanted them and i i feel that i understand that because like he doesn't he didn't like hook for the longest time because it didn't turn out the way he wanted in his head because they couldn't physically do it in reality with what his head was mm-hmm. because the limitations of practical versus CG and CG wasn't yep. there at that point. However, I also firmly believe that there's a reason for those limitations and that CG while yeah, maybe it lines up with your vision doesn't necessarily make for a better film. I think it's a useful tool. I think it can be used. I think just generating completely CG environments isn't always the best option. 
I think using it as a tool to enhance is a better option than just blue box build from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And I think I... I have a question for you guys. Um, how much, like, because you guys probably know a bit more about, like, production background stuff um, than I do, but um, how often does that still happen? Like, I feel like the green box and the blue box, I feel like that's a little bit more... Um, like, I feel like they're evolving past that. I feel like a lot of the majority of studios are coming up with ways to almost hybridize that idea, that concept, where it's not just completely just blue screen everywhere. Well, now they're doing the, the um, LED thing with the Mandalorian, like those LED screens. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, like the Mandalorian's doing something different. But I think a lot of studios are, too, having more physical sets with still... Like, you're still in those studios There's, or whatever, right? Or those stages with the blue screens, but they just have more physicality in them. There is, a, there is a real, like, pushback, and, like, people are trying to get more back to, like, doing things more practically with, like, environments and that kind of thing. Um, the CGI is here to stay, and, it, like, it's not going anywhere, but, like, yeah. there is a lot of stuff where, like, again, like, talking about the Mandalorian, like, they're kind of trying to, like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of just bringing back the, uh, the old school rear projection type idea, but, like, doing the more modern, real, more realistic looking version of that. Um. But there's still generated images projected onto that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's, and that's where, again, for me, it's like, I don't think and I, I again, like it's hard to say, especially with how far CG has come, because if you go and look back at older movies, like older mm. CG movies, like even the water and stuff looked terrible in some old CG movies. Yes, yeah. Um, so I can't talk too much about that because it has evolved, and that's fine. But like, I think, like again, like I think that rear projection thing is a cool idea. The LED projectors is a cool idea, but I don't think. I don't think not filming on a set should be a selling part. I don't think filming on a set should be a selling point for a movie. No, I can agree with that. Well, it's like, um, again, and this kind of, <laughs> it kind of flows into like what I was wanting to talk about, but like, it kind of feels relevant to what you're talking about. Um, it's the amount of CGI that gets used nowadays in regards to like monster movies and special effects. At the end of the day, I'm I'm just gonna kind of lump it into what you're talking about, honestly, because it's it's a very similar topic. Um, with a lot of monsters nowadays, and it's kind of going back in the other direction. Like you get stuff like Stranger Things, where like they built the actual like Demogorgon suit, but like there's also the CGI Demodogs and like the Mind Flayer and stuff like that. But I even think like parts of the Mind Flayer are practical, weren't they? Well, it's I don't know. It's it's hard to tell, and it's really weird for me because I find like. And this kind of, it, it lumps in with the same thing here. Actually, you're right. It does kind of tie in. The problem that I have, even when it's like practical and enhanced with CG, where like, you know how they sometimes they shoot the CG monster and the, or the practical monster and they just cover it in CG. Oh boy, like, do I. Like the, well, like the, the raptors in Jurassic World, like where it's like, it is basically, it's basically CG. It's basically uh, practical, but they just enhanced it. There's this yeah. weird fake sheen to it still. Mm-hmm. it's even on Thanos like I think the Thanos CG is amazing but it still looks like CG it still looks computer generated it looks animated yeah. as opposed to looking like an actual physical person there's just 
that slight uncanny valley. Yeah. There's a big difference between. I would debate that on like depending on different shots and stuff. Mm. Like I think there are some very convincing shots of Thanos where you would be like, yeah. "Damn, that's pretty." Like it looks very physical. But there's also shots with Thanos when he's in the ship, specifically torturing Nebula. Where you're like, hey, "Okay, you're a little bit purple and shiny right now." Like, <laughs> like there is definitely some things that he looks CG. It's even, um... but there's some real good moments where it's like, "No, that that's like." Yeah. It feels like they just painted Josh Brolin purple and like he's just in the scene, you know? Would Or just that it's its own being, right? Yeah. Not necessarily is Josh Brolin, but like there's a physicality mm-hmm. to it. Would you guys agree that like Planet of the Apes CG is like some of the best to come out in a long time? I would agree yes. with that too, yeah. 100%. So even yeah. you in Dawn of the Planet, like again, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, it's still like kind of the first one, but like there's still moments of it. By the time you like in Dawn, and especially when you get to War, you forget that you're watching CGI apes so quickly. Yeah. And like, again, yeah. when you're talking about that kind of stuff where it's like a CG character, the performance is incredibly key to bringing it to life ultimately. Like, cause the effects can do a lot of the heavy lifting and make it feel like a real physical being. But unless you've got that performance in there, it, it yeah. just is not going to feel real. And that's kind of like when Thanos works so well, it's because Josh Brolin's giving 110% and he's committed to like what he is doing as a big purple monster. Well, because so. you almost have to act through, instead of just acting through prosthetics, you're acting through a computer now. Yeah. So there's <laughs> still that extra layer. And like the thing to me, though, is like even though as good as the CG is in Planet of the Apes, to me, it still looks like CG. Mm. It still looks animated. Like, and maybe that's just a me thing. But to me, I think like it's it's I feel like there could have there would have there could have been a happy medium of a practical suit with the CG. Mm. And it's the same thing with sets. I think there's a happy medium of practical sets with enhanced CG. Okay. Like and that's that's kind of my big my biggest gripe, I think, is stop using complete CG and use a bit of both because it adds to the tangibility. Mm hmm. And, like, you can tell. And there are some films that, again, like, it works well because you can tell they've gone and done, like, the work and they put the effort into, like, showing the actors what they're going to be looking at, explaining what's going to be going on. But then there's other films where you can, like, and big-budget films where you can kind of, like, say, oh, they said, look in that direction and look surprised. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, One of the biggest... uh examples again it's like it's not really a set thing i feel like i've semi hijacked the question here but um the 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 prequel to the thing is a notorious example where the original intention of the film was they were going to do mostly practical monster effects and then they were going to enhance them with cgi for some of the stuff that you like seemingly couldn't physically do which like fair enough like it does give you the option to do stuff that like would be either incredibly difficult to do as a practical effect or just mm-hmm. not not really necessarily feasible. Again, I think like there's a lot of things you can do with practical if you really set your mind to it. The original, the thing, but the original, the 1982 version, is a perfect example of how like creativity and innovation can lead to some amazing special effects that still hold up to this day. What ended up happening was they did a test audience uh, for the film before they had done any of, like, the CG enhancements. So it was just, like, the practical effects as they were, and people hated it, and they thought it looked fake, 
and like all these things like that. So the studio panicked and they said, you need to go back and you need to reshoot these and you, we're going to, we need to cover up these effects with CGI and we're, we're going to make it look like a video game because that's what the kids want. <laughs> that was, that was the rationale of like, oh, we're going to make it look like a video yeah. game. And um, so they did that. They ended up spending like way more money on these reshoots and like CGIing over the practical effects, which there's videos online. A lot of them look pretty friggin' solid already and they wouldn't really require a whole lot of enhancement but because a couple people said, oh, it looks fake because it wasn't finished, they just decide to scrap pretty much all of it and just do something completely mm. different. And the film suffers for it. Like, there's a lot of problems with that movie aside from that. But, like, I think if you had stuck to the original vision, it would have at least had more of that tangible feel of, like, oh, they're dealing with real monsters, you know? So... It's just, it's an unfortunate thing when stuff like that happens, where, like, sometimes CGI, again, where you're talking about Thanos, or you're talking about, like, the apes and Planet of the Apes, where it works really, really well. And then you get stuff like The Thing, or there's, a, I mean, again, we talked about Slither, where, like, there's a lot of really great practical effects in that movie, but there's a lot of also really cool CGI effects, and sometimes both yeah. work in tandem. When you allow them to work in tandem... Or sometimes they, they'll get cold feet and go the opposite direction, and you just get a CGI mess that does not stand out at all. So well, and sometimes it feels like that with me in set design, where a lot of times, like you can tell, like it feels like they do the CG set designs now, so they can just change things last minute if they want to, mm -hmm. as opposed to like building a set, designing it, and being like, "Hey, this is what we're living with." Yeah, and like mm -hmm. I, I understand, and uh, like as a filmmaker, I understand and appreciate that freedom, but also make a decision, mm -hmm. just like just just commit, and maybe it's not going to turn out the best that you want, but maybe it's going to be what's best for the film. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's I think what the biggest drawback is is like realizing. I mean, actually, maybe that's maybe that's what I hate the most is just <laughs> ego. <laughs> I hate <laughs> ego in film. That's what it is. It's the um, idea of realizing that you and your director vision while important is not more important than the movie itself mm -hmm. and that movies with your direction at the end of the day are going to take their own form by the end of it there's like like you're never going to get the exact movie that you want to make and that's okay because that's the nature of the beast yeah um i do want to bring up one more like this one's actually in regards to a set that was actually like done practically, but you you probably could have done CGI. Um, I know you've seen Prometheus, Ethan. I like have you seen Prometheus, Matt? Yeah, I've seen Prometheus. Yeah, like, yeah. The thing I love about Prometheus and something I appreciate, like you can talk about how the scientists are stupid and how the they should have ran left or whatever the hell. All you want to <laughs> all the This is the same story for every like horror yeah, movie. Like, what about you idiots? Until like you you could argue about the stupidity of the characters until the cows come home. But the thing about that movie that holds up so well is those sets when they get to the alien world and they're inside of the temple and all that, they built all of those sets practically. They built these giant like monoliths and like these yep. walls and stuff and that film looks fan freaking tastic it still looks good mm -hmm. to this day because like those environments feel real and like they're in the actors are in that environment they're exploring it and like 
the dark is real. The like the water on the walls is real. Like, like I get it, like it's not real, but like you know what I mean, right? They're they're in yeah. that environment. It feels tangible. Um, and when you contrast that with like, I'm trying to think of a good example of like a movie where like it's a similar idea, but like the environments are CGI. Um, like I can't, oh God. I can't think of a good example right now, but like, like I, I want to say the prequels, but like I, I, I don't need to crap on those. Um, well, it's it's a noticeable difference between the Senate episode, Chamber and Episode Two. For episode sure. One oh, episode versus two, most yeah. of Episode Two, and a good chunk of Episode Three. Yeah, like that's like those are the big noticeable ones. Um, but it's even Lord of the Rings, like any like because Lord of the Rings would do really cool stuff called bigatures where they'd shoot large miniatures and then composite them in. And I'm all for mm. compositing. I think that's great. That's a great tool. But then and again, it's 2001 CG, so I can only get so mad about it, but there's that mm-hmm. one shot of like a ruined castle or temple or something in Fellowship of the Rings <laughs> when they're doing their massive trek across the land and it's this one obviously CG building that they haven't touched up ever <laughs> and i'm really upset about it because it doesn't need I have to, to go be look there. at that now i want to go look at that like it's dude like it's the one shot that just like has not aged well at all it is so noticeable when you see it it's and the... it's part of that like when they leave rivendell and that's like bah, 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 where they're all walking yeah. like it's that yeah and there's a wide helicopter yeah i know what se- i know what scene you're talking about i'm just not sure i'm like oh i can't really place it in my hand i haven't watched those for a while i've been trying well you know ever since we started this podcast i've been trying to watch the damn films and i wanted to watch them with my wife but she never sat down and watched with me mm-hmm. and now they're off netflix and i'm like i don't know how to watch them right now you just watched I don't know the them. first one last week yeah we watched the first one last week because like oh so this is like fresh yeah like it's pretty freaking fresh um i i don't know maybe they'll fix it with the 4k who knows um but like it's like it's one and there's a lot of great cg effects in that film but like this one effect oh, just like yeah Gollum still holds yeah. up 100 percent um but yeah like you like you get those little things here and there that just they do not age well and they don't look good and it immediately takes you out of the film you're immediately back in if the story's really good and you like the characters obviously but like every now and again yeah. little thing can just pull you right out what are you... No, I, 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 I don't know. Like I'm listening to what you guys say, and like he, just here's here's Ooh, my Matt's overall got a hot take. It. Here's a, it's not it's not a hot I know take. It's not like a hot take. Like, it, it's fine. like I get what you guys are saying, and you have valid valid points, and I agree with so many of your points. I don't agree with the premise that it's like the most destructive thing for film and that's why you should hate it like maybe you hate that it's inclusion because it's like i'd rather just have like the classic built practical stuff 100 percent of the time which sometimes in some moments especially in certain examples when the cgi is crap that i would be like i would tend to agree mm-hmm. you know but yeah. but a lot of the examples we're talking about we're still talking about a lot of like really early cgi filmmaking we're talking about like the examples that are terrible are usually somewhere in those early 2000 range before it started picking up. Like nowadays, we're at a point where CGI is almost indistinguishable 
from reality. And there's a lot, a lot of scenes, like we'll talk about sets for a sec, where you're seeing CGI in a practical setting, but you don't know CGI is there. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember watching the Oscars. It wasn't last year. Was it the year before? Whenever whenever 1917 was in there. It was two years ago. And, yeah. Which I still haven't seen that damn movie yet. I want to see it. It looks really good. Yeah. Looks so good. But they were doing a breakdown on one of the films and are one of like the scenes. And it was like this open field that they were in and there was like a burning barn or something. But like the barn was totally CG. Like they were in a practical field, but the barn was totally CG, but you wouldn't know it. Mm. You wouldn't know. Like there's so many things when you look down and look at CGI breakdowns for modern films, like a lot of them do use a lot of practicality in sets but there's a lot of CG things that are added on there that you wouldn't even you wouldn't even notice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're at and I'm okay with that. Like where we were before, like I think they're not the worst thing for films. I think it's this evolutionary stepping stone to get like every new technology needs to hit its rough patches before it gets good. Before it gets good. But with CGI, you can just you can enhance so much, but and the other side of me says, man, I really, really like practical sets and right. stuff, too. Like, I really, like, I prefer Lord of the Rings over The Hobbit. Like, some of the CGI in The Hobbit drives me up the freaking wall. But I feel like, again, up the freaking <laughs> wall, man. Like, some of it's good, but some of it drives me up the wall. So, in there, I say I agree. But, again, I think it's just how this technology is utilized. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you should hate it. And I don't think it's the worst thing for Hollywood. I think I think we're just still in that evolutionary trail to making it work and enhancing our practicality. Because I still think you need that physical practicality. Like, yeah. I still am yeah. such a firm, firm believer in that. But I think CGI used to enhance it, used to create different objects. You know, like, like Captain America's shield most of the time is CGI. You know what I mean? Like how it flings around and bounces around. It's like just stuff like that where we couldn't have certain effects or we couldn't physically do uh, things. If you guys... We can now. Yeah, like if you've seen... Like uh, could you imagine like watching the episode Falcon of Winter Soldier? Not when like John Walker's like smashing the dude in the chest. Like just when he's flinging his shield at him. Could you imagine if that was like cardboard or something? Like it just... It wouldn't be the same. Like, you could figure it out, but it wouldn't, like... Well, that's where... The way CGI can work. And that's where... And the practicality it can have is just all about that execution, how they use it, again, how they plan it out. But I don't think it's, like, the worst thing. Well, no, I'm not saying CG as... I'm not saying CG as a whole is the worst thing. I'm saying the utilization of CGI sets is the worst thing. Because, to me, I think that's where we're losing... um, scale and tangibility are the two biggest things i think scale is getting way on us and i think it's just a lack of tangibility with actors you know mm -hmm. there's just something that's still missing yeah i would agree with you there in far as far as like timeline goes like i think nowadays it's not really I don't know if the word's appropriate or like it's not like I think there's no excuse to not have some sort of hybridization yeah. nowadays. Um, I think we've learned, I think a lot of studios have learned and filmmakers have learned their lessons from the green rooms and the blue rooms of like the early 2000s. Like you, like I remember seeing like filming for the Obi-Wan and Anakin fight at the end of episode three. It's just them in a big giant green room. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Like fighting on like some stage stuff. 
And like, it's like, well, that sucks and not immersive. But I mean, again, we also play pay actors a lot of money, especially the higher up ones. So if we need you to act in a green room, act in a green room, a-hole. Like, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, and you're paying them that much. But again, to get that best performance, like, I think all humanity works better. Yeah. There's a little practicality. Well, Ian McKellen so I don't a... disagree. I don't necessarily disagree with like the older stuff. Cause again, I think it's that evolutionary stepping stone of understanding the technology, understanding what works. And I think we have to make those mistakes to figure out what actually works and how to get better. Yeah. Um, but I think today you just put them in a big blue room. Mine is video games. Cause those are all done on soundstage. That, that's totally like, you know, well, like, whole when you're thing. doing that motion capture stuff. So but. yeah, to, sh- to shoot myself in the foot here, the motion capture stuff, like um, how they did Tintin or how they did um, the CGI stuff for Ready Player One, like the in the yeah. Oasis stuff. Perfect. Great utilization of that. It makes sense for the environment that it is that it would have that universal sheen to it. Well, again, going, mm-hmm. back to, going back to Tron Legacy, like how much of yes. that was. But again, that's you literally are like in another world. You know, and that's where yeah. I think it works, and that's where like even like films like uh I haven't seen it, but like that Beowulf one that came out years ago. Yeah, I never saw that either. But I, people love it apparently now. They didn't when it first yeah. came out because it was too weird, but people love it now, and like I think it works for that. If you're gonna do a full animated kind of movie, then do that. But when you're gonna do, when I hear hear star stories about like the Marvel actors not knowing what they're looking at or not knowing what movie they're making. I think that's a huge misstep because like, wh- why would you keep your movie a secret from your actors? Wouldn't you want them to know what they're doing so you could actually have the best story that you could have? I think depending on the size of them, right? Like, or how many people are involved, like in a lot of those things too, they record and film people in different locations at different times. Like I remember watching a thing for the airport fight in civil war and Captain America's team was on site, like, at an airport. Yeah. And Iron Man and his team, like, recorded it later on, or most of his team. Like, Iron Robert Downey Jr., for sure, recorded on, a, like, a soundstage. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, literally, when he flies in, you can tell he's not physically even presently there, right? Like, like there are things in the MCU that they do that I don't like. like and that's um, why I gotta ask why. One thing that I dislike about Thor Ragnarok is when they're in Norway and Odin's dying. You can totally tell that's CGI. Yeah. Like, that's a whole scene. They're not actually in freaking Norway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but, they're not actually on a hill. You can tell that's complete CGI. Mm-hmm. And also from the trailer, it, they were in New York when that hella bit happened in the trailer. That's the, it was an alleyway in New York. And it's like, so, like, I get what they're doing why there. Why can't you just go film again, it practically? That... And that's where I agree with you because I think it's just, again, it comes down to ultimately like the application of it and using it, like creating that hybridization. And that, and that's my, that's my biggest point is like specifically when it comes to the Marvel films, that's, I just hear so many stories where they, the actor's like, yeah, I don't even know what movie we're filming. They haven't told me anything. And it's like, we're just looking at these blue, at these blue screens and pretending. And it's like, but no, you need to let them know what's going on because you need to, you need your team to be all on the same page. It's got to be real. It's like know? everyone's taking that note from like from Empire where only the director, George Lucas <laughs> and Mark Hamill knew about I'm your father. 
And they're taking that yeah. to the extreme where it's like, well, no one can know anything now mm-hmm. because if anything gets out, our film is ruined. And it's like, or no, sign non-disclosures. And if someone messes up, they either have to pay a hefty fine or they get fired. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple and pretty standard. But don't keep people in the dark. And don't use CG as a tool to do that. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like, and I've seen, like, you see some of the sets from, like, Endgame and Infinity War. And, like, those sets, they're in the green box. But, like, there's tons of practicality. Like, there's tons of practical garbage and junk and whatever around them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To, like, create, like, the physical environment they're standing on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I think when you come up with a different, like, when you're talking about different planets or you're talking about the end of Endgame where it's, like, there's so much going on and there's, like, this giant fight overhead. It's, like, well, how do you practically create that environment right yeah. like other than the best way you can which you would need that green screen like the green screen or the blue screen yeah. but like you also see they have trenches and they have like tons of practical debris and junk and you know mm-hmm. like then you gotta do the best with what you can do um, but things where I don't accept again is like when like it's just Thor standing on a hill bro it's yeah, like you, you know you, what I you mean like, shoot that in the like back those types of, of things for me like even though I love Taika Waititi and I love that film, that's always been the one scene for me that just irks me because you can just just tell it's 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 CG and it's not even touched up like to where it could have been, even for what it was. Like, because again, environments you can do really really convincing environments, and that wasn't quite convincing. Yeah. But. Um, to like kind of cite an example where like again going back to like monster effects for a second here <laughs> and i know i've talked about like i i generally prefer like practical effects to like cgi effects but it was after i watched um actually dawn and war of the planet of the apes that i said you know it'd be really cool if they ever like did the, i don't know if they'd ever do this for a predator film but i would love to see what they could do with a predator if they were to do it as a motion capture character like where you like it's CGI, but like it's someone acting as the predator in motion capture, and like, mm-hmm. what would that do for what you could do with the character performance wise, with like some of the action sequences, the way they move, stuff like that, um, and even like I've gone as far as to say like you could probably pull off a movie where like the main character is a predator, and like the same way that like in Planet of the Apes, Caesar's the main character, like, and. Like, yeah. I don't think you can necessarily pull that off, like, with a practical suit. You probably could. But, like, I think there's something about motion capture that just, like, feels more... More... Like, I feel like you'd be able to connect with it more than just, like, a guy in a suit, necessarily. Like it w- I think it comes down to the eyes. Yeah. Because the eyes are a huge thing. But didn't they do that with the, the Predator? They did a lot of stuff with the Predator. <laughs> Um, well, that was like the, the big super predator was like yeah. a big CGI monster. And guy. It, it was a mess. Yes. It was just why, why? I just watched that movie the other day too. Yeah. Like, do you agree this, the CG on the, the big predator was not great? Honestly, they, they did the best they could and they hit him in the dark a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was very dark. Like the, there's anything he was in. It was usually 
very dark. So they knew what they were doing. They knew they weren't going to like, they didn't have, they weren't put in the quality to like have him on broad daylight. Like yeah. everything he was in was like dark, dark, dark. Um, the one dude who plays, um, uh, what's his name? What's his name? He's on like that show. This is us or whatever. This is black dude. He, what's that guy's name? Keegan, like... He plays like, um, King T'Chaka's brother in Black Panther. Oh, uh, oh shit. Um, is it something brown? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, Give me a second here. He's in that film, and I can't remember his name. I'm brain farting on it. Oh, no, I know exactly who you're talking something about. Something like C. Brown or something? Because he's amazing. It's on, like, the tip of my brain. Oh, oh. Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown, that's what yes. it is. Thank Sterling you. K. Brown Thank you. is just a fantastic actor. He is actor, really, yes. really good, and he's in that fi- Predator film too, mm-hmm. right? He's all- How he dies, I have no clue. Oh yeah, because she calls his name, he turns his head, then he falls over, and I have rewound, I rewound that like four or five times. Tried to pause it. I was like, what actually happens to well, this cause guy? Because like, he's wearing the Predator gun. I'm like, yeah, the, does he shoot himself in the yeah, head? Like the, Is that shoulder, what happened? It's meant to be the shoulder cannon like shot him in the head. And it's like, it's so unclear. Like, I didn't even know he died the first time it watching is, the movie. No, neither like, did I. That's why I had to rewind it. Because I was like, wait, where did he go? Leave it to Prosser to know so the I mechanics had... of what exact weapon it was that killed someone, even if it's off screen. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big fan of Predator. Like, what can I say? I have studied this film like, frame by frame. <laughs> no, and, and that's like that's cool, man. But like, <laughs> I had to rewind that a couple times because I never actually saw like the, the gun that shoots him in the head never fires. You never see yeah, like, just like a, a sound ignition. effect, and then he's She's down. just like, it's like blah blah blah. He turns his head, falls over. I was like, what the hell happened? Did he get? Did he shoot? Because the predator didn't shoot him. No, I was like, did he just shoot himself in the freaking head? Yeah. Because that also sounds like a noob move. Mm-hmm. And why would the gun be programmed to shoot yourself in the head? That made no yep. sense. Anyway. Um, Listen, there's no, a lot of like, problems and, with that and movie. Dark... And I could talk about it until the cows come home. But like... <laughs> yeah. Like, really dark CG, or really dark lighting always hides re- really not great CG, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's kind of the go-to. Well, it's, it's frustrating um, that you can get really good CG from films like Jurassic Park. Yeah. And then you can't get really good cg from films almost 20 years later Mm -hmm. or almost 30 years later now yeah like it's ridiculous to me like and that's the that's the frustrating thing it shouldn't be that hard but the problem is that there's there's too much leaning onto it Mm -hmm. the effort in the application exactly all right and it's the same, like, same, like, 3D, right? Effort and application, man. And, like, maybe that's always the end game, end answer to every damn thing in film. Effort and a- application. And yeah. Like, at the end of the day, it kind of is, right? Like, how much effort you put into it, how you apply it, like, makes all the difference. And if you're going to F it up, don't do it. Um, But I will say that I think 3D is far worse than... <laughs> cgi because there's way better amounts of cgi than there is 3d i still think 3d okay is the worst thing and it should burn and you are allowed to maybe not burn. Way. just go away just go away mm-hmm. go away and if you want to come back come back good go get good get good like the gamers say good. get good man get better another 
do another. You suck. Just get good. In another thirty years, when the next three D craze comes around, we'll uh, hopefully they'll have it figured out by then. <laughs> wow, I think, and I think like that, like anything else, I'm sure there's potential in the technology, but it's not like no one's putting the effort to make it advance or go further. No, hundred percent. Like. And again, and because it's not available outside of theaters, it's kind of a dead technology as it is, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's no, there's no potential for advancement because no one's interested because they just put out so much crap. So yeah, at this point, it's just a money grab, like just pure m- money without value, without value. Yeah. But no, I like, and then I agree. Like hybridization, I think, is the best route. Um, I'm all, like, I'm just, I am such a big fan of like physicality. And, but I just know there's things that wouldn't exist today without CGI. So, yeah, I got to go with hybridization. It's probably the best route. Like, I just, I can't deny either the value of either. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's like anything. Like, you wouldn't use, you wouldn't use a hammer to, like, screw in a, uh, a screw, you know? Like, <laughs> screw, screw in. What are those things called? What are those called? things? Screwy, uh, yep. screwy, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's oh, like, you want to use the right tool for the job, and sometimes, unfortunately, people try to fit a square peg into a rectangular hole, and it just doesn't yeah. quite work, so, yeah. What can you do? I mean, burn it to the ground? I don't know, I, I got nothing. That is an option, <laughs> I suppose. <That's> a... <laughs> burn it all, burn it all. Yeah. But don't. We like movies. Exactly. Oh, exactly. So... Time for the questions of the day. Let's do it. Matt, what's your question of oh, the day? What do you guys think? What's the, you know, what's the worst, uh, what was the question again? Where, what's the worst <laughs> technological invention that has affected <laughs> to come out of yeah, film? To come out right? of film. Yeah. What's the worst one? I think 3D. These guys are in this CGI thing. Um, sets and, uh, what was yours again, Prosper? Uh, like, CGI monsters versus like it's, practical monsters. To, to, des- that, okay. to, degri- to describe our feelings finally, and then we'll move on to the question of the day. The way we view CG is the way that we view the internet, I think. The internet is a great tool. CG is a great tool. It is misused and mishandled far too often, mm-hmm. and therefore is no longer a good tool. Yeah. And scene. I would still say, yeah, I would still, I would still argue that, but that's okay. And <laughs> <End> scene. <laughs> I would still say it can be a good tool. I don't know. It's not a bad tool. It's only a bad tool. No, the, 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 bad once tools. again, like it, it's a go. good tool, but some trademark. It's a good tool, but it just sometimes get used for the wrong job. That's that's just reality. Only a bad tool when it's used by bad fools. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like that. I'm pretty sure that's not even what I said the first time. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um. Yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, what's the worst tech coming out of ga- uh, gaming? What's the worst tech to come out of film? Let us know down below in the comment section. Whether you agree with us or you have your own opinion, let us know. Coco Kachu. All right, Matt. Question of the day. You ready for a question of the day? Let's do I it. Think Here's so. my question of the day. Um, and this comes back to a movie I was watching actually today. Um, and I'll come back around to that. Um, but my question is, what film did you just not, like, get the point of? 
Whether you, at the end of the day you thought the film was like too smart, too dumb, made no sense. What film did you watch? And at the end you're just like, I don't get it, man. What, what, what did I just watch? Well, I got a great, I got a great answer for this one. Let me tell you. I'll let you go first okay. then, because I there's too many. Okay. All right. So he and Ethan will know exactly what this movie is. Uh, is the movie Rubber? Yep. The, yes. <laughs> Friggin' Rubber. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just too stupid for the movie or whether the movie is too <laughs> stupid for me. I just it is pretty dumb. I just I don't. And people are like, oh, it's just a big f you to Hollywood, and I'm like, okay, but that doesn't excuse <laughs> that doesn't excuse the sheer not give a shit that the movie has, like, because the whole thing, I don't like you, you, I, you, you know what this is, you know the movie Rubber, uh, yeah, 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 like my, it's another one. My brother's like, you gotta watch this. It's so good, and and it's like, what are you doing? It's like, though? okay, I get it. It's a funny comedy. But as an actual commentary on anything, it's it's pointless. But that's the point. That's the commentary it's trying to make is that it's a meaningless movie. And yeah. like, so, like I, the problem I think that you're trying to find a meaning in a movie that is basically has no meaning is is the problem. It's just, it's the fact that like at the end of the day, man, like it, there's no meaning to it. You're not supposed to get it because there's nothing. There's literally nothing to get. Well, yeah. that's dumb. Um, I. <laughs> And, and that's just my personal opinion um but like it just it's to me it's like at a certain point like you can say it doesn't have meaning but at the end of the day not having meaning still has to have meaning and to me that's where the film kind of falls flat like it, it fails at being a commentary on itself you know like that's tire pun falls flat falls flat oh god <laughs> Um, yeah, it it was very tiring, uh, to watch oh, the <laughs> oh boo. it it uh, treaded on hollow ground. Oh, stop it! We don't have uh, that much time. We don't have time for this. Um, but no, like I would oh, say, man. Rubber is the movie that to me it just I I it just did not work for me at all, and uh, just didn't get the point. Hey, eh? yeah. like what's the point? It just it rolled right over me. I shut remember. up oh my gosh we're never having you back <laughs> no we need more puns man it is, we need people to make more it puns. is two in the morning we do not have time for this yeah <laughs> i still gotta watch falcon winter soldier yeah all right ethan what about you apocalypse now how dare you <laughs> i was trying to think i'm like because there's there's a, i was like there's a film recently that you showed me that i'm like i, I don't get it I don't I, get the appeal. I and like, arguably, that's also 90% of Adam Sandler films for me. Like, like I understand why people like it, but I don't get it. Like, ladies I don't and, understand yeah. it. Ladies and, and gentlemen, this and man, he a, just... Okay. Compared Apocalypse Now to Adam Sandler films? Yes. Yes, he just... Because you need a, to understand that this is the kind of stuff I cut out, alright? These are the outlandish takes. <laughs> That this man has, you cannot suppress free. Uh, appar apparently, he doesn't like my opinion. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. I watched Apocalypse Now. I was I was paying attention. You watched it with me. Yes, I wasn't tuned out. I wasn't not on my. I wasn't on my phone. I just don't get it. I don't get the appeal. I don't get how it's so big. Like, and I like Francis Ford Coppola. I, I, I the Godfather is one of my top films. I love his movies. I don't get Apocalypse Now. I, I feel. Don't, 
I feel like I'm going down the river now. Like there, is... there are better, there are better uh, Francis Ford Coppola films. There are better Vietnam films. I mean, there are, but still, <laughs> I just I don't get how there's so much. Like I feel like the reason why Apocalypse Now is so successful is just because of the drama from behind the scenes. That's it. That's that's what I think it sells the movie. And I'm sorry, when you watch the movie, you don't see that movie. I think there's a reason why there's a reputation of Hearts of Darkness being way more um, way more engaging and way better than Apocalypse Now. Okay. Okay, that's fair. I mean, you, you can <laughs> feel that way, I suppose. I, I'm also <laughs> saying what I've heard from a very reputable source being Community. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, okay. have you seen Hearts of Darkness? It's way better than Apocalypse Now. Abed Nadir. <laughs> I mean to be fair. So if if the documentary about the drama of the movie is what makes the movie so compelling, then the movie itself can't be that good, or I just don't get it. Well, see, I've never seen the documentary, so obviously that must be an incorrect fact. Um, well, how would you know if you've never seen the documentary? <laughs> um, I guess that's the. What, what's Apocalypse Now to you, Prosser? Apocalypse Now to me? Oh, it's just like it is a. It is a journey into madness. Like, it is the journey of one man going, literally going down the river, and slowly things just get more and more insane. In, but, like, the they point, don't really. They do. The characters, but, like, the but Saving Private Ryan does a better job of that story. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Saving Private Ryan is a very different war movie. I wouldn't even say Apocalypse Now really is a war movie. Like, it is just... It is a psychological journey into madness. That is what it I is never at the felt end of the that day. madness the entire time. Well, that's because you <laughs> yourself are insane. So. I've watched plenty of movies that have madness in them, and I feel that madness. And like Apocalypse Now, <laughs> with just a dude just going on a mission, and he accomplishes that mission, and is like, "Well, war is bad now," and that's the movie. <laughs> Thanks, Vietnam. I'm glad we know that the Vietnam War was bad. <laughs> okay, this this is fine. Uh, Full Metal Jacket, better movie. Listen, Full Metal Jacket's a great movie. Platoon's a great movie. I still need to see Platoon. Like, and and Apocalypse Now is the third movie in that perfect triad of Vietnam movies, and they all cover very similar topics in very different. <laughs> Forrest ways. Gump is a better Vietnam War movie. How <laughs> dare you? Okay, Forrest Gump's awesome though. Forrest what? Gump is Kong awesome. Skull yeah. Island Forrest is a Gump. better. Vietnam War movie. I, okay. I I mean, I do love that movie, but, like, I would not... No, you know what? Good Morning Vietnam is a better Vietnam War movie. <laughs> I'm hurt. I'm oh, never coming shit. on this podcast have you ever, again. <laughs> have, you ever see, have you ever seen Good Morning Vietnam? Yes, I have. It's a good movie. I'm not... It's gonna, a great movie. Once again, I keep... I'm not going to deny that these are great movies. I'm just, I don't think you're giving Apocalypse Now enough credit, buddy. That's my, that's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I think it's overrated and I don't get it. That was the question and that's my answer. And, and I, you're, you know what? Look, you, I, I can't, I, I can't say Police Academy. I said that last week, so I <laughs> or two weeks ago, I guess. Um, Wait, did I, re I didn't ask this question already. No, but we were talking about ones that like classic movies that just didn't land for us. Oh, classic movies that didn't land. Right? Yeah, and that was and that was Police Academy for me. But Apocalypse like, Now is another. I didn't ask this already, didn't I? It was similar but different. Like, <laughs> what's I'd... your answer, Matt? 
quickly to get Prosser off my back about Apocalypse Now. No, no, no. I, I do, I do want to say like one last thing. Like at the end of the day, I'm just happy that you finally watched it and you gave it a shot. Like, am, am I sad at this blatant disregard for the themes <laughs> of Apocalypse Now? Just a little bit, but like, I am glad at the end of the day that you gave it a shot. Hey, at least I go out of my way to show you good movies. Okay, Matt, what's your pick? Unlike Face Off. <laughs> face Off. Okay, we're not we're not going to get on this. Matt, what's your pick? <laughs> face Off was at least Ethan fun. He just loves triggering people, eh? He's like, it's my job. Ethan just knows what like movies to bring up. <laughs> just drive you know, us nuts. You know, I could eat a peach no. for hours. <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay. So, for me, like, a couple movies that, like, I didn't get the point. Like, I just think Maybe some films are too smart for me. I'm an idiot. I'm okay with that. I've come to peace with that. That's good and fine. A lot of the films I don't get are a lot of usually like kind of more like artsy ones or have like more artistic ideas where it's just like, I'm so confused. I don't know what's happening. Um, one film in particular, I think I've already talked about this, was like No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Mm. And I was I was with that movie till like right up at the end. And I was like, when they just killed him, like, off screen. I was like, what the hell, man? Like, when movies, like, totally shift their ending, it throws me right off. And in a bad like, way, too. Not in, like, a good, like, Yeah, oh, like, okay, not cool, even good. I'm just like, what, 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 why am I watching this then? Like, it's just, I've been following this character, but then he just died and I wasn't even there. Mm. Okay. Um. So what, what, what's the point of my getting out of this film? Like, and that's what I don't get. I'm like... Maybe this film's too smart for me, and I just don't quite get it. Like, I guess if you go around shooting people with like pressurized cow things, you're 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 gonna live. I don't know what the message was. The other one that I was watching just today, actually, which again I was with it till pretty close to the end. Then I was like, okay, what was uh Midsummer? And that's oh, like that's, a, yeah. a horror movie. Yeah, you're you're not alone. You're not alone. And it's like it's like a mind effort, but I was still I felt like I was with it. Like I get it. It's like oh, a lot of like her dealing with like her like sister's like m- murder slash suicide and mm-hmm. like all that kind of grief and like dealing with all that shit. I get it. And then it was kind of like at the end, it's like okay y'all lost me i don't know what the hell's going on it went too long and in the last hour it just kind of lost me like it just i didn't understand what it was trying to say because i think i think and that's what i'm saying like i'm like i I don't get it and when when she burned the bear the bear they're like or like her boyfriend Mm -hmm. who cheated on because she they got him super high like it was a really f situation oh yeah like she's like mm, no i choose you to go in the bear and burn in the building yeah which is clearly how that other guy's parents died but it's like was that representing her overcoming her grief and that's of like the other deaths and i'm like by killing her boyfriend who had nothing to do with those other deaths like it was very confusing well and that's where me and prosser even said like because the same director did hereditary right Yep. Yeah, and I haven't and seen that one. Hereditary is really it's good. on the list. Hereditary is really good, super messed up. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but like I got what that movie was kind of going for. Yeah. Yeah. Midsummer, but... both me and him walked away being like, we don't understand what we just watched. And normally, especially with that type of film, he's all over that. Oh yeah, like I yeah. I am so into arty farty bullshit, it's not even funny. Um 
Because like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I'm so not. Because I'm like, I'm always too dumb, and I never know what's going on. Like at the end, like, like the, I always, it always loses me. And like uh, the director talked about uh, in an interview, like it, the movie. From what I gather, the movie is meant to be like a an incredibly cathartic and messed up like breakup film, because like the whole thing is like her relationship with her boyfriend is a, it's something that like really should have ended a long time ago but like again she was he was literally going to break up with her until all the stuff happened with her family um yeah but it just kept going and going and then like the stuff obviously with like being in that cult which first of all once again <laughs> the the biggest twist of the movie that could have happened is if nothing happened because if you've seen the wicker man you know exactly how this is going to play out ultimately <laughs> dude if you've seen anything where it's like yeah let's go to some crazy old pagan town festival you know you're gonna die 100 percent. where are you going like, man like that doesn't take that doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that shit and that's out. where i think like I think Prosser's right. If it was going to be a, a movie where it's like you, you spend the entire movie tense thinking something's going to happen. And then like the end is that they just leave and she, they break up and that's it. I think that would have been a stronger ending. Like because like, you're using you, you knew they rolled in there and you knew they were intentionally brought in there. Cause obviously the village needs sacrificing. Yeah, like, like I knew that before they even showed up. Well, like, well, I'm like, like, and I guess y'all need some outside sacrifices. Or yeah. Shit. And like, I guess like to the director, it's like, well, the stuff I was interested in wasn't the, the cult stuff. It was the stuff going on with like the girl and the boyfriend and their relationship. It's like, okay, that's cool. But then but why you, build it around a cult? Yeah, exactly. Why would you why did you choose to do And why would you emphasize so much then obviously her grief and depression and like psychosis of dealing with the death of her parents yeah. and her sister? Like that was such a prominent part and so visually brought up time and time again. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like the old couple falling off the cliff or whatever, seeing her mom yeah. in the crowd or having those visions. Like the boyfriend thing was like a side thing, man. That was like a side, t- like that was like yeah. a side story. And, the way they presented it, and like again by um, the by the end of the movie, like the guy was such a dick even to his friends that like I really didn't care when he got burnt alive in a bear costume anyway. Like, oh, exactly. Um, no. <laughs> like it's like it's one of those things. Like and like again, I will I will say the movie is very well directed. It is incredibly well shot. Like and there are a lot of great performances in the movie. It's just to me it fell flat as far as how it chose to present the story it wanted to tell, and like the fact that well, like, it was predictable. And, then, and like even the ending, man. Like even the ending. Like I just didn't feel a sense of closure to that. Mm-hmm. And I just like in artistic films like do that a lot. They just leave a lot of shit open, mm-hmm. and I hate that because I like closure. Because like it just like she's burning, <laughs> she smiles. It's like okay what does that mean but like does she stay in the village then after that like or is she now just a complete psychopath like what is going on? like i just i don't get it and i didn't get the whole point of it like she to me she never got closure about her parents death or all that kind of stuff that they built up either yep again unless the burning of the bear was somehow significant of it take like the whole point of that festival i think was like all the bad shit gets burned away at the end kind well, of idea. Like, like all like the spirits are like attached to that and it just burns away. Well, like it's some like that, like, cause they reference something about the bear 
representing like not their pain <laughs> but like i don't know negativity or something like that yeah like because there are like, there is a lot of like bear imagery that you see like throughout the film and everything like that like like again because because this well just, when you see the bear you're like oh you dead bro yeah well it's like and again there's a lot of that stuff where it's like okay i understand what you're trying to tell me but clearly the the story that's happening here and the the story that you really care about happening here they're not really connecting for me and the only thing that's connecting them is the fact that this story is taking place in this little village where these events are happening and like yeah. again maybe again maybe i'm also too stupid to understand what's going on i am very much too stupid like, I like listen maybe it's great for some people but it's like i don't i'm yeah like okay and again like i really liked hereditary like i thought like as far as being like kind of a more modern take on like something like a rosemary's baby or something along those lines yeah. i thought it was very successful but um to me uh midsummer just kind of missed the mark and i i would agree with you on that yeah i'm like i i don't get it i finished it and i was like i don't get it man that was not a satisfying ending to me one again like you you talk about like the movie going on too long there is an extended version of that film that goes that is another 30 minutes oh my gosh so like there was even stuff cut out from what you saw yeah there was like so much there was like so much weird shit in there i'd be like bro what and sometimes what the characters do i'm just like god you guys gotta be the dumbest mother effers mm -hmm. not only did you go to the village but how you were trying to escape was like the dumbest shit i've ever seen yeah. you piss on their ancient tree and you're just gonna go off in some backwoods with some chick are you some kind of idiot yep. i'd be like i'm not going nowhere thank you very much y'all yeah. gonna kill me kill me right here right now like, well and that's the thing you're waiting the whole movie for these characters like you know they're gonna die and the biggest thing that could have happened is none of them died. Them die. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would have been the like, twist, it's man. Like, it's like, a, it's like um, again, this is a really old movie, but, like, there is a movie literally called April Fool's Day. It's, a, like, it's an 80s slasher film. And, like, uh, do you guys care about spoilers for this film? Probably not. No. I, okay. I mean, I know, I know it already, so. Yeah. So, like it's like it's literally like it's a holiday slasher film like and people are like dying in the film and then literally the big twist of the movie is that nobody died and it was a prank on the main girl <laughs> like i think i've seen that or yeah, at least i've heard of it like it's a it's a big old anti-horror film where at the end it's like oh <laughs> they all lived happily ever after it was just a big <laughs> prank Psych. yeah and it's like that like not necessarily like as a joke but like you could have done something similar to that where like the 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 customs of this place seem like really unorthodox and weird and things like that but like at the end of the day the characters anything bad that happens to the characters is at the fault of themselves and not because they were destined to die and don't yeah. have them die oh, at the uh, end tucker and dale versus evil yes yes that's another great example which you should watch that movie if you haven't. Viewers mm -hmm. and Matt, have you seen it? It's a reverse horror film. It's basically a bunch of teenagers think these two hillbillies are trying to kill them. And so they start trying to kill the hillbillies. 
but the hillbillies are completely innocent, and then the teenagers just kind of start dying. They're trying to kill them. Yeah, they... they're trying to kill the hillbillies, but then the teenagers keep dying by complete freak accidents. <laughs> accidents, and the hillbillies are freaked out, being like, "Why are they killing themselves? Oh my god!" <laughs> no, it's amazing. That's actually super funny. Yeah, like man. one of the hillbillies well... is played by Alan Tudyk, and like he's just having a blast. Like, see that Why, officer. Been... We're having a doozy of a day. Interesting, man. That'd have been interesting. And, like, they keep drinking their shit and eating their shit. I'm like, why? Yeah. You guys all gotta be some sort of Well, we don't want to disrespect... We don't want to disrespect their customs, and it's like, okay... All my friends keep disappearing, but, like, let me please don't drink your weird lemon water. We are way beyond... Oh, oh, she left this morning. She went to the train station. It's just like, well, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) (laughs) But then they're like, oh, well... Let's just eat our weird ass food anyway, man. And yeah. like that sex scene was so awkward. I was like, that would be uncomfortable as hell. Like guys just tripping balls. I'd be like, what the hell, man? And then you just run around bunk naked. It's like, why, man? Like, mm-hmm. well, because horror, man. Because, because we're run around the day with your dong out. Like, come on, dude. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't get that film. At the end of the day, I'm just like, I don't get it, bro. <laughs> No, that's fair. You're not alone. Yeah. Oh, good. I thought I was just super dumb. But maybe I'm just the regular type, which I'm okay with. So, Prostor, do you got a question of the day for us? Um, oh, God. <laughs> I should have thought this one through. Um. Welcome to the stress <laughs> that is a feast of films. Oh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. Um... I'm just going to cheat and basically do the inverse of what you just asked. Like, is there a film that you really liked and really stuck with you, but nobody else understands why you like that movie? Interesting question. I know it's kind of cheating because it's like the reverse of your question, but like it just came to the top of my head. It's like, oh, it'd be, it'd be fun to ask the reverse of that question. Well, I feel like the technicality of the reverse would be like, what movie have you watched and you got so well that, that no one else got, got it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, you just got it. No, fair oh, enough. Gosh. Which actually is kind of what you said anyway. So, Oh, gosh, this is really tough. Crap. That's an interesting question. Hmm. Do you have an answer, Prosser? Um... <laughs> We're just like, I know hmm. that there's ones because there are movies that I have to watch by myself here. Okay, so here's one, and, like, maybe this is, like, because it's not really, it's not exactly a hard film to understand, but, like, it's a movie that, like, it just kind of clicks with me, and I really enjoy it, but anybody I have shown it to is like, why the hell did you, why do you even like this thing? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Do I, do I know what this movie is? I think you know what this movie is. Um, it is a movie called I Come in Peace. Yeah, this is the worst, this is such a <laughs> dumb movie, and I, anytime he talks about, anytime he talks about him liking good movies, I bring up this one to be like, no you don't, you like I Come in Peace. Listen, so, allow me to explain to you the premise of I Come in Peace. So... Dolph Lundgren is a New York City police officer. Oh, this is off to a great start. Yep, whose partner is killed. (laughs) And uh, basically, like, because, like, he went off and, like, stopped a robbery, his partner is killed because they're, like, doing this, like, sting on a mob boss. But while that's happening, his partner, as well as all the mob guys, are all killed by a mysterious weapon. 
and like he's like on the case and all that and he gets partnered up with this FBI agent and basically what they come to find out is that basically these all these mob guys and his partner were killed by an alien invader now why is the now why is this alien invading well you see in space on the black market human endorphins are one of the best-selling drugs in the galaxy so he has come to earth to harvest human endorphins by injecting people with uh, heroin and then extracting Jesus. the endorphins from them so essentially what you have it's basically like predator but with an intergalactic drug dealer and Dolph Lundgren <laughs> has to find him and kill him. <laughs> wow. And, and the only thing he says is, I come in peace. And like, I don't know, I I think it's just such a unique and fun premise of like this alien that like literally has come to Earth because like human beings produce the most potent drug in the galaxy. And I just think it's a fun time. And it has one of the best one-liner retorts of all time in any action film ever. So, if if y'all want a good time at the movies, look up I Come in Peace, and maybe you'll be disappointed. You probably will be, but I think it's a riot. That is a lot more than I have to say. You're welcome. <laughs> Very good. Interesting. Yep. It sounds bonkers. Just totally bonkers. It's very 80s, and unapologetically so. And it like, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, but like... I've never I, heard about it, and I've never heard of this film. There, there's a, probably a reason you haven't. But like, <laughs> if even one person walks away from this podcast and says, you know what, I'm going to give that movie a try, and then never watches again because it's terrible, then I feel I've done my job. <laughs> That's a win, man. That's a win. <laughs> yep. Oh, damn. I still know. Like, I'm sure there's films that I've watched where everyone's like, that's terrible. But, like, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that I've watched that's, like, nobody else has liked. Okay. There's gotta be something. Prosser, what have I shown you that you've hated? Um, I feel like there was, like, there's, like, a kid's film that you showed me where, like, you're like, oh, yeah, this is just a, this is a wonderful movie. And I'm just watching them like, what the hell did I just watch? Um, like, it wasn't Rockadoodle. I mean, Rockadoodle's definitely up there, but like... <laughs> yeah, but I know Rockadoodle isn't good. Mm -hmm. No, I got hiccups now. Don't make it. Well, here's an example just within this group. Darkest Hour. <laughs> right? Like, nobody likes that <laughs> film but me. I'm like, shit, this is dope. I'm like, Ethan, watch this. And he's like, this movie sucks ass. And I was like... Come on, bro, man. All I, like I said movie. is that the end of the movie should have been the middle act of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like they, they should have shuffled everything over, <laughs> cut out that beginning part, and then just have like, like literally, it's the rise and fall of Winston Churchill. That's what the movie. Yeah, should but that's be about. not what the story was about. They didn't even make it to the darkest hour. <laughs> the movie that was ended. the darkest hour. The decision to fight, the decision to unite, I or would to say fall that and crumble and to surrender. Was the hour. That was the darkest hour. That was the moment everything was decided. Because you have hour. to decide to act. You have to decide to act. Before anything happens. And that was why it was the darkest hour, because mm -hmm. this is the moment there was no where resolution. everything was on the line. This is the moment where everything was on the line, Nothing man. was resolved. This was the moment. 
He was surrounded on all sides by enemies. The yep. only reason we know anything was resolved was because we saw, we know what World War II was. Well, exactly. <laughs> so then what the hell do you need the rest for? There's a whole because generation of people who the, don't know what was World War II is. the story well, of the that, things that we don't know. And the things that were a little bit deeper. The, thing, the, the uncertainties and the doubt and the willingness to fight, but still uncertain if he should. <sighs> It's uh, man, it's such a powerful film. Like I just love that film. Also, just like as a as a speaker and someone you know who, who's very who does a lot of like public speaking and stuff, and I just like just respect the hell of it because it's tough to get in front of people and to inspire and to encourage. But, um, but like yeah, it just takes him from a position where he's he's also like because he is a long career politician right i think they could especially when we find him like how disconnected he is from the common folk like look how he treats his writer when he first meets her right compared to how he talks to people on the subway like that's such a great justification between his character and his connection with the people from the beginning of the film to the end of the film Mm -hmm. um like there's so many just moments like that along the way and it just creates this beautiful arc of like, he comes in strong, like, confident. Like, yeah, I'll be the prime minister. I'll get this stuff done. But, like, doubt, doubt, doubt. And he's faced with, like, impossible situations. And he's constantly trying to be, avoid, like, you know, these these other guys are constantly trying to entrap him. Like, the whole damn time while he's trying to, you know, focus and come to terms. And in the end, mm-hmm. just before he makes his final resolve, like, He's in doubt, and the king comes to him and says, you have my support. And it's just like the final boost he needs. If only we so saw them actually the have Like, it's just like, oh, man. I love it. I love it. I I appreciate the fact that you love it. I thought it was okay. Um. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I'm saying. And this is the topic. This is why we're talking about it. Yeah. The, the because problem, you guys just thought it was okay and I'm like you know what I loved this like, film and and like at the end of the day and like I think like again I remember Ethan talking about this like it it is at the end of the day like you got passion for a film and like if not a lot of other people do like it but like hey it clicks with you then that's all that really matters because at the end of the day I'm the only one watching it anyway so <laughs> I don't mind well, surely, I don't mind. well surely not the only one watching <laughs> Well, me and like the twelve other people probably. <laughs> um, like, uh, yeah, man. I just, yeah, I just really enjoy. It. Actually, I want to go watch that again. I don't want to watch it before anything else, except Falcon Warrior Soldier. I'm gonna watch that. Well, first. of course, yeah. I watch the finale of that, but yeah, no, I just, oh man, I love that film. But I'm like, said, so, like, I just, I love history. I love, like, this craft of like speech writing and, and presentations and inspiration. And the, the, the romanticization of this idea of inspiring a country to stand mm. up against evil, to hold their ground and be the final line. Like, I just love that idea. And the fact if they fail, if Winston decided to do peace talks, if he decided to make a different decision in that moment, it would completely change our whole history. Like, I just love that idea. Not the idea that we'd all be Nazis, but, you know... <laughs> The concept of it. <laughs> I, and I'm just saying, we could have had a resolution. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. But you did. You have history. 
That's not the. It's a movie. <laughs> and at the end of the day, too. But Gary, you did. Gary like Oldman, at the end of the day, you did have the resolution to the question the film was asking, though. Like, because it wasn't about. It wasn't just this documentary series about the rise and fall of him. Like, that's not what it was about, right? Another movie could do that. It depends what kind of message and what story you're going to tell. And for what story they wanted to tell, they told their story. I also think Gary Oldman overshadowed the character with his performance. I like Gary Oldman as an actor, but like there was a lot of his acting choices that I did not care for. <laughs> Didn't bug me at all. It bugged me. Again, I'm I am genuine. Like, the, like what the, I am like what thing what things bugged you though? A lot of times it did it, it didn't feel like he was playing Winston Churchill. It felt like he was playing Gary Oldman saying the speeches of Winston Churchill, doing a dramatic reading rather than actually acting. But at the end of the day, again, like to to piggyback yeah. off what Prosser said, I, I would am, disagree with that. I am I am very happy that you like this movie and that you love this movie and how important it is to you. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate that. And I'm sure the human drug dealer Dolph Lundgren movie is great too. No, it's not. It really isn't. Both of the movies that you guys talked about were not good for me. <laughs> and that was the point. You, you felt like you were injecting human endorphins. <laughs> yeah, when the movie finished. Oh gosh, Come on, Ethan, what's your answer now? I don't know if I have one. Like, There's got to be a film that we're he, like, boo. Ethan is so mainstream that he just loves everything that everyone else no, loves. No, like, like the problem. The problem is. I mean, clearly the answer should be Apocalypse Now, but we know he's not. <laughs> <laughs> the the problem is, either the things that I like and I show people that they don't get, are obscure things from my childhood, that I grew up with because they're what my parents showed me. Like Don Knotts movies and stuff like that, but then when I show it to people, nine times out of ten, their their reactions aren't well. That was stupid or that was crap. Their reactions are like, "Oh, I understand why that. I understand you better because you've I seen that movie. I didn't like it, but I understand you." So there's never like there's really like that's happened with you a few times, but there's never been like a movie that I've shown you where you're like. Oh, that was awful. Why would you show me that movie? Like, the only one that I can think of off the top of my head, because this is a discussion that you have had with people, I know for sure, but even then, it's not like a universally reviled film, would probably be Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, because again, I don't even love that film. I just, I think there's a good movie in there, and I think they just missed their mark. Yeah. It's the same thing with Spider-Man 3. I think there's a good film in there, but they just missed their mark. Yeah. That's like the I got it. T-Squad. T-Squad? Yeah. Nobody liked that. I don't even know what that is. I don't even... That's so obscure. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a movie. And it wasn't made by anyone professional. Oh, it's... I know it's what it is. It's made by three damn fools in <laughs> school. <laughs> On a really crappy camera. Crap. On Halo. Oh my god. There's gotta it's be terrible. a movie. Also, Quantum of Snowflakes. Our own film. Quantum of Snowflakes is a masterpiece. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll just say I'll just say damned rights. Damned rights is a film that I love and no one else gets. <laughs> <laughs> no funny. Like, everyone's like uh, I no, actually 
Actually, I help we, make has it. Prosser I seen, like has Prosser seen Quantum of Snowflakes? No, we have to somehow get it. We have to somehow show. I don't have a copy of it. Oh. We have to somehow get me a copy and I'll show him. Well, I've been trying to rip it for like a month. My computer just sucks, so it hasn't um, worked. Crap. I know there's there's got to be something. Like, again, the problem is it's a lot of older, obscure things that people just don't connect with because it's a generational difference. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I'm trying to think of ones, and I'm just completely blanking. But I know there... Should we move on to another question, then? I think so. Like, again, like, like that's my answer, is, like, anything that I show people that's old from, like, the 60s or the 50s, a lot of them, a lot of people just don't connect with or don't get. I don't really get a visceral, like, I hated that reaction. There have been some films that I've shown specific people, but never universally. universally. Yeah. Like, a lot of Mel Brooks films, people don't get. But then I sat down with Prosser and marathoned them all, and he's like, even the ones he didn't care for, which was few and far between, it's one of my favorite things to do with him, is show him movies that I <sighs> like that he hasn't seen. He's like, oh, I understand you as a person now. Your filmmaking makes more sense to me now. Mm-hmm. So I've never I've never had a universally like hated movie that I can think of. Okay. If I come up with one, I can I'll, I'll say it. But like, and again, most of the ones that I think people don't like, I just don't show them. I just kind of keep it to myself, and I'm like, okay, this is for me because I know people aren't gonna like it. <laughs> You're not like the rest of us. Hey, watch our movie. No, hey, I'm, I'm very the the things that I the things that I know personal to me i will keep to me until i feel comfortable sharing it with somebody and sorry and again a lot of that comes down to stuff i was raised with and things that i just i don't know that i just i like especially especially watching older movies i try to view it from the perspective of the people of the generation of the people who were watching it for the first time so like Hmm. old 1930s and 40s movies i try and view it from their perspective as opposed to from a modern audience. And so, again, that's where I just kind of keep it private because I know I've talked to a lot of people who are like, no, I don't understand that. Like, how can you not view it from a modern audience? And it's like, that's because that's... I grew up watching films, like, from a very young age, all the way from, like, the 30s to modern day. My entire uh, life has been that. There was never just, like, the newest films. It was always a span of generations. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I can't think of one. There you go. Fair enough. Oh, good answer as any, I'd say. Honestly, for not having an answer, you'd talk longer than both of us combined. <laughs> There's a lot of pausing you can cut out. Oh, yeah. It's all good. Oh, yeah, you're going to have fun cutting this stuff up. Oh, yes. Um, Ethan, do you have a question of the day? I think it's your turn. It's your yes. turn, right? It's his um, turn, yeah. What's one genre of film that you mm. actually really like that people don't expect you to like? Interesting question. I have an answer. Yeah, well, you go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, and it, it's as people get to know me more, they kind of warm up to the idea. But... <laughs> musicals a lot of people don't strike me like when, when i meet people and i mention like the classic old school musicals they don't they don't see that connection right away 
Like, I love old musical movies. I like musicals. I like the song and dance numbers. I think they're really fun and cool. I don't really talk about them that much. But when I do, people are kind of usually confused because they're like, but don't you like sci-fi, fantasy, horror, that kind of stuff? And, like, the answer for me is there's not a genre specifically that I dislike. I like movies in every genre. Mm Mm-hmm. And I try not to let that define me, but, like, again, musicals are just one that, like, I've liked since I was a small child. But I don't flaunt it. Like, Disney would be the closest thing, but, like, that's... Everyone yeah. loves Disney, so it's, like... Well, of course. Yeah, musicals would be my big one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, yep. West Side Story is amazing. I never talk about how amazing it is, but it is amazing. Singing in the Rain. Phenomenal movie. And I have a soft spot for Seven Brides and Seven Brothers. So, you know, it's in, there's, there's, there's just really weird ones that I like. I just, I like musicals and I blame my mom, but I also thank her. No, man, like, I, like, I could dig that. I mean, like, you can't go wrong with a good musical, in my opinion. Like, that's also the theater kid in me talking. But, right? uh, like, if you, if you grew up with any amount of, like, theater, I think, like, musicals kind of just get ingrained in you as something you enjoy but yeah i know like i i could totally dig that i can dance i can sing <laughs> dr zayas dr zayas do, 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 do. Uh, <laughs> um i would say and this is one that like because there will be just it's not a lot of movies in this genre that i particularly enjoy but like there are actually like a lot of like random romantic comedies that I get a lot of enjoyment out of watching. Oh, yeah, Kate and Leopold. Yes. <laughs> like, what the heck? It's... Like, I still haven't seen that, but for ten years, you have hyped up Kate and Leopold to me. Yes. So and I don't understand it, because there's no other, like, romantic comedies you ever talk about. Well, there's the miscongeniality movies that, like, I unabashedly enjoy those films. You never talk about that. Well, that's exactly, like, a lot of people don't, like... <laughs> They wouldn't assume that I enjoy romantic comedies, but like, <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah, I genuinely, I like, again, this is, this is the difference between me and you. You're such a private person that I don't even know, <laughs> but then there's me and I'm like, I like musicals and you're like, yeah, Ethan, I knew that about you. And it's like, yeah, geez, that tracks <laughs> just flaunting your stuff everywhere. I like to talk about stuff. Yeah. But like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I would say like romantic comedy is just, for whatever reason, this the they they make me feel like happy inside. That's like sometimes you just want a nice happy ending. It, it's like um, you don't uh, you know you don't want to eat a whole chocolate cake you know every day of the week, but every now and again it's nice to just eat a whole chocolate cake and just enjoy the sweetness. And that's what I would describe watching a romantic comedy <laughs> as, <laughs> like a whole chocolate cake. Yeah, like. <laughs> You know you're going to feel gross, and you're going to be like, oh, why did I do that to myself? <laughs> but, like, while you're doing it, you feel really great. So, that's what I would say. I would say romantic comedies. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what people think I wouldn't watch. Movies with white people. <laughs> watch those. <laughs> um, Which is, you know... Westerns? Do you like Westerns? Uh, Give or take some. 
Not mm. all. Not enough to say I like the genre. Mm. Um, um, horror movies. Well, yeah, you like horror movies. But yeah. like, yeah, but like, I feel like I feel like I'm pretty open with what type of movies I watch. Like, I feel like a lot of my film choices is like my music. Like, I'll watch a lot of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm not really into romantic comedies. Like that kind of stuff is like doesn't really do it for me. Matt, you bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you did it, bitch. You did it, bitch. Um, uh, I guess like kid shows, man. I don't know. Okay. Kid shows can be kind of cool sometimes. Well, I guess probably a they lot can... of people assume you just like them because your kids like them. Or your kid likes yeah. them, right? Or it's like, oh, and yeah, it's you just like... watch it because... But, like, I will literally push him towards certain shows that are not <laughs> trash. You know what I mean? Like, there's some kid shows where, again, it always comes down to the writing. Because, like, some kid shows, the ones that make the characters intentionally really, really dumb just to prove a point drive me nuts. I love the ones that can prove a point by being real not by making their characters like unrealistically stupid like those ones bug me to no end because it's like even kids are not that dumb like even Mm -hmm. they can like there's this one called pj masks it's terrible it's like kids superheroes but they like they come out night and they're like six or something but they still got cars and shit but anyway (laughs) this one's like driving around he's like driving into shit trying to chase one of the villains and they're like Quit breaking stuff. He's like, oh, but the villain made me do it. It's like, you're literally driving the car guy. Like, how dumb do you that's have not, to be? Like, that's not how. Like, that's, that's just not trying how to blame the villain work. when it's, like, not even close. Um, But there is one show that is just fantastic. And I would recommend to any, like, adult or kid. Um, especially if you have kids. It's a great, like, teacher of lessons. And they really touch on some real stuff. Um, like early, like having like early babies and like divorces and like, um, uh, different types of parents and like, you know, different types of people. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, like there's an episode that's focused on, um, like, ah, I don't know how to explain it all, but, mm-hmm. Um, it's focused on like the joys of like being together and not focusing on your screen and stuff like that. Um, like there's just a lot of really healthy, like family elements in the show and it's called Bluey and it's made in Australia. And it's like this animated series where there's like, it's this family of like dogs or whatever. Like there's a dad, mom, a little sister, and then the one Bluey who's like a little six year old or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But they, like, have these great little adventures and, like, the dad and the parents commit to playing their games with them that you watch it and you're like, that's the type of parent I want to be. And then you feel like, crap, because you're not that type of parent. <laughs> um, but, like, he, like, totally commits to, like, they the parents totally commit to, like, all their games and their, like, make-believe stuff. Um, it's such a great show. Like, it's just... Like, just tackle, like, what I really enjoy about it is they tackle really important things, but they tack, tackle it in a way where it's like the characters are not stupid. And it'll make you laugh. There might be th- moments that kind of make you cry or make you feel emotional. Like, it's just really, really well made. Um, and it shows like that that I guess I also, like, enjoy myself enough because I watch it with kids. I don't know. Hmm. That'd be the closest thing because I just think, like, horror movies? Yeah, of course I watch horror movies like musicals of course i watch musicals like cool. i don't think i watch anything that would surprise anybody 
Cool. Honestly, like, and like, I think going back to like an earlier episode where you go on an entire rant on, I think it's like, what is it, Puppy Dog Palace or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that was another, like, yeah, that's like, another good one, the, too. The yeah. passion you had for that show. <laughs> you, you cannot, well, dude, because, well, you can't make that up. Man, let me tell you, there's like really terrible kids shows out there that are just like, the writing is horrible because they're like, kids are stupid. So like, let's just make everyone yeah, like, really stupid. And it just kills you. Yeah. But there's ones that come in and they have like different, like, what I like about Puppy Dog Pals is like, there's so many references for that, like your adults or like, you know, the, like my kind of like our age, mm-hmm. if you're a parent our age would understand and would get, um, like there's Infinity Stone Gauntlet, like Infinity Gauntlet reference. There's like Die Hard. Um, I think there's Jurassic Park. Like there's just so many little things that are like sprinkled through these episodes. Like not so much the distracting, but every once in a while you get like a thing. Um, Leroy Jenkins, you remember that YouTube video oh, from course. back in the I'll day? Be, I forget like Leroy that's Jenkins. that's like a whole based around a whole episode kind of like there's a whole concept there. Um. So it's just stuff like that where you're just like, God damn, man, these shows that just when they're written well, kids shows can be really great and they tackle important things that kids just need to know about life. So it's good. That's a parent's point of view, guys. That's some kid shows out there that are pretty solid. man. And honestly, Bluey's the best one. I love like I legitimately really enjoy Bluey. And I'm like, why is season three not on Disney Plus? guys? Like seriously, seriously, why is it only season two Co- or only season one? Sorry, there's only one season on Disney Plus, but I think, I think they're it got airing renewed, the second season right now, and it got renewed for a third, I think. Yeah, like it's and it's won awards too. Like it's a really, really well-written show. Honestly, you guys, you guys have Disney Plus, right? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, literally, just look up Bluey and like watch like the first couple episodes. You're gonna be like damn man that that's pretty awesome like it just makes you feel good like it's just if we end up crying in each other's arms it's on you yeah this this man. was uh this was your decision matt i'm yep. sorry but i just seriously I just, just, just so watch much. a couple episodes like you guys can tell me if it's junk or not like and maybe you'll see it differently without kids you know what i mean like as like grown ass adults but literally just watch like a couple episodes they're literally like seven minutes long they're really short episodes okay um but they're they're pretty sweet, man. They're pretty cool. cool. Awesome. Well, I guess that uh, that wraps Bluey. up our uh, that wraps up our episode, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, so that's it for another episode of a feast of films. Uh, Prosser, thank you for coming back on. And uh, where can the good people find you? Well, thank you for having me, Ethan. Um, even though we live in the same house. Um, and me. You're welcome. I'm here too. And I'm in a oh, different and, house though. And also Matt, thank you for having me. You're on. welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for, thank you for, thank you for accepting my recommendation of I come in peace. I hope you enjoy it. Jeez. Um, doesn't even thank the black guy. What the hell, man? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely editing that out. Um, Prosser, man, canceled. <laughs> no, for Body sure. shame. Um, so <laughs> God damn it. Um, you can find me on Instagram at that J Prosser. Uh, you can find me on YouTube under Jesse Prosser. And then you can find mine and Ethan's film, Damned Rights, at realhouse.org. Um, check out a film, rent it, buy it, support us. Hopefully, we get to make another. That would be awesome. 
Um, and I'm glad he actually knew the website this time. Yeah, well, we went over this last week. <laughs> or, or you know, two hours ago. Whichever it may be. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. How about you, Matt? Where can they find you? You guys can find me at my house. Just doing nothing because it's COVID. Just sitting at home watching Bluey. You can find me on my couch watching Bluey with my baby. <laughs> you he can lives find at me one two three Fake Street. <laughs> you can also find me on YouTube. Storytellers for life. Come on by. It's all about helping storytellers believe in their dreams, live their purpose, tell their stories. Uh, we we dig through uh, historical storytellers and look to the past to you know get some inspiration and encouragement for the future. We look at different storytelling tools and techniques, whether it's speaking or film or writing. Like we're just we go through so much stuff that's really designed and created to help encourage you to tell your best stories and to believe in yourself because that's half the battle, man. That's that is half the battle. So come on by. We got interviews, we got videos, we got live streams. It's all good. Thursdays at seven. Come on by. You come on by now. You here? You here. You come on by. All right, all right, all right. All right, and you guys can find me on Instagram at Ethan R. Hill. You can also find me on YouTube at Ethan R. Hill. And you can also, as Pross said earlier, find our feature film, Damned Rights, on RealHouse.org. Links down below. Um, come check it out. Yeah, thanks again for tuning in, guys, for an extra special episode of, uh, of, uh, I forgot the name of our show, <laughs> of A Feast of Films. Uh, tune in next time when we are back talking about Star Wars. We're finally on to episode six. We're finally on to Return of the Jedi. I honestly never thought we'd make it, man. This is pretty amazing. I, that... That's exciting, and then we have to figure out whether we're going straight into the sequel series or if we're uh, going yeah, into because we gotta be the spin about that. That's going to be some fiery stuff. It's going to just be a lot of us. No, like, the first episode is going to be really good. And then, I feel like we're on the same page for the first episode. After that, it's and a then split 50-50 yeah, for it's, the next two, man. It's just going to be, gonna be debates and sadness. It's going to be good. I still can't wait to get to Rogue One. That's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I don't feel as passionate about it, but yeah. I I just, I'm curious to rewatch it. Good point. But we're not talking about that. We're going to talk about Return of the Jedi next week. We'll see you guys there. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been a Feast of Films. I'm Ethan R. Hill, and with me as always is... Matthew Alu. And featuring today also is... Jesse Prosser. Have a good week, everybody. So long. Bye bye Toodaloo. Uh, You made that so much worse. All right, all right, all right. (laughs)